Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by Inform Millennial and Gen Xer Types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, March 2nd. 2019, and it was the week that the world melted down. And to join us to talk about that, we have our very good friends, Arliss and Will from Hopping Mad, uh, returning from a bit of a hiatus. Uh, Am I right about that? Yeah, absolutely. We were gone for almost six months. Hello, everybody. And you guys are coming back, is that right? Yeah, we're coming back, uh, looks like the week of the 10th sometime. Mm-hmm. So we're we're coming back uh, initially just as a podcast. I think we probably won't try to conform to the restrictions on Netroots Radio, uh, just to let us get settled in, and then we'll kind of see where things go from there. That's okay. so exciting! Yeah. I'm so glad that you guys are back. Yeah, we have awesome. so much to say. Oh my I'm god! Sure you do. <laughs> yeah, six months. That's a that's a lot of pent up pent up stuff. And I definitely missed your podcast. I'm I'm glad you guys are back, and I am excited that we are helping relaunch you back into the into the uh onto the internet waves here whatever you want to call them yes into the broadband stream yes uh as usual anyway i'm travis of course i'm rachel and uh okay guys uh, a couple things happened this week well first i just need to ask <laughs> rachel where are the boxes where are the boxes oh the 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 ones that uh <laughs> yes <laughs> okay so <laughs> <laughs> one of these Republican, uh, one of these Republicans on the committee. Uh, I forget which one. Yes. Just no, but Travis, where are the boxes? I have to keep interrupting you because you can't <laughs> give your answer. Well, because I need to know where those boxes are right now. Yeah. Well, they're in storage. <laughs> <laughs> they're somewhere. They're somewhere, and uh, the FBI's already looked through them. But I'm sure this guy's going to find the the smoking gun that Hillary did the Benghazi or whatever he. The boxes and the emails. The there's all these missing things everywhere. What are we? What are we to do? Yeah, that wasn't as funny to me, and and we're not going to focus too hard on the Cohen stuff and in this segment. Yeah. But yeah. that the funniest thing to me, and we'll talk about this more in the second half, is when they came back from the break when Cohen needed a potty break or something, and they were Mark Meadows had like printed out tweets that that like let, I I want to enter into the record the tweet I just saw and 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 I printed out and it says Michael Cohen's liar and a bad guy. And I have another tweet, and I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and, like, I assume it was people were supposed to know, and it wasn't like, you know, uh, MAGA Marge 8623447 says Michael Cohen's a bad guy. And I'm entering, well, I'm entering this tweet into the record. Like, considering okay. considering the, the hot water that uh, Florida man Republican Congressman Matt Gates is in, oh my God. about to be disbarred for witness tampering <laughs> he probably uh, in Florida. Uh, he should. I mean, he should. Uh, Florida, we do some things wrong, but uh, oh, oh, we have some? more lawyers than Washington, D.C. at lunchtime in any single one of our cities. Yeah, they're like so, roaches. Like, they're just everywhere. Yeah, yeah and, and they there there is a standard of professionalism in Florida in our legal profession. So you never know. I, I, I think the Florida lawyers are really mad about this. I'll have to ask so, my friend Raul because he was supposed to be on the podcast last week. He couldn't, he yeah. couldn't make it. I'll have to ask him. Um, yeah, anyway. But they shouldn't be talking about tweets so much What with the witness tampering. Right. That's, uh, that's... Yeah, yeah God, anyway. Uh, we're we're going to focus more on that in the second half, but we wanted to narrow our focus while we have uh, Will and Arliss here. Uh, but you said the week everything mental, well, melted down, so obviously <laughs> we have to talk about Brexit, too, and, you know, 
Venezuela. Let me just throw out other random topics where things are aspire. No way, there's no way we're going to get to it all. Yeah. Do you guys no have way. about just refocus six hours? This crap. Yeah, exactly. You got about six hours. I think we might be able to get through half of it. Right. No, we wanted to narrow our focus to talking about the uh, the democratic field because uh, there's a lot happening with that, and we also want to talk about what do people think the millennials are going to do versus what they might actually do and how they might be influenced. And in- how people are discussing millennial participation in politics right now and the fact that um, they forget how old we are. Yep. <laughs> people yep. talk about millennials like we're 12. Yeah, I'm that's true. 35. And I'm about I'm, to turn 36. Uh, I'm <laughs> of an age myself. <laughs> like I'm an adult all the way formed as a human. I'm not like yep. a fucking 20 year old that's like, oh, I don't know. Bills I just, and uh. insurance and everything. It's, yeah. yeah. You know. and, and let me just say, it's considering narrow topics, I am glad we chose one as narrow as the democratic field. Are we up to 24 <laughs> candidates at this <laughs> point? Mean, or? Yeah, every literally every white guy over 40 in Colorado is going to run, apparently. <laughs> so I, I better throw my hat in the ring, I guess. I think it's the new law. That, that Polis just signed. Yeah, um, our governor, our, our former governor, John Hickenlooper, uh, and Bennett is announcing, um, and Michael Bennett, who gave that fiery speech on the floor of the Senate, the only fiery speech he's ever given in his entire career. Oh, they've already yeah. forgotten about him. Uh, that that, that didn't even last twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah, that, it didn't break the like, news who's cycle. Who's Michael so. Bennett? Oh, that's interesting. And that now everybody's forgotten. They're him. the two of the most boring human beings on the planet. But um, on the subject, uh, Hickenlooper on the seventh, which is Thursday, yeah, is going to give a big uh, jumping off speech here in Denver, right down the street at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. We are in Capitol Hill, so we could literally walk to it. We will not. Nope. We don't care. Nope. Uh, Hick was a fine governor, not a great governor, but a fine governor, and he is as boring as sawdust on white bread. Yes. And well, and in Colorado, care. you know, he's tied pretty heavily to developers and oil and gas, as, as everybody is, as everyone is. Yeah, um, so not, both boring and evil. Yes. Well, let me I just mean, say, evil maybe is a, not, but milk not toast. good. Yeah, not good. Being this is a political co- podcast, and there's a tradition of making up stupid rules about <laughs> politics that have nothing to do with an actual election. Uh-huh. Uh, I've decided that I'm going to use the funny name principle to say in uh, in two of the last six uh, presidential elections, the only Democrats that have been successful were ones with names that are unusual. And by that regard, I think Hickenlooper probably takes the nomination. No, 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 <laughs> well, well, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Pete Buttigieg wins right. that. Oh, yes. yeah. I don't know, guys. The guy whose name no one can pronounce from Indiana. He's no, the boy who wins I, that. I, I just got a text message from Paul Songus, and he says you're wrong. So, <laughs> I, and how do you pronounce it, Arliss? Buttigieg? Buttigieg. Buttigieg. If you slow it way down, it's boot, edge, edge. Boot, edge, edge. I thought, it, I thought that I he mean, just did that some... for people to pronounce it, but it's really Buttigieg. It. Um, Ooh, edge, edge. We might get some kinky folks to vote for him. <laughs> we should. He's he's young and queer and progressive, and uh, I could see that cross over to that market. I got it. And would be a brilliant president. I just uh, he. Yeah, ten years from now. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not saying he will. You know, hey, in hey. this election, I'm just saying he would really be a, quite a brilliant president. No, I've been Trav, I, I've been tuning Trav, in. What was Rachel just saying about not disrespecting the millennials? We may be young, but is he a millennial or is he Jenna? He is a millennial. Yeah, he's millennial by yeah, uh, a as he years. says, I'm millennial by by a few days. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he, no, I, I I listened to him the other day. I wanted to. I heard an interview on NPR, and I went and dug up some stuff on YouTube. And he's a solid guy, uh, but you can tell he's definitely learning and, and forming and, and figuring yeah. it out. But he's got a bright future, I think. 
and, and his recent interview yeah. on uh, uh, Pod Save America was excellent. Yes, and it's not a bad way to get your name out there. It's, hey, I'm running for president, right. and then people actually pay attention. So that's a, that's a good point. Um, didn't so much work for Dennis Kucinich, though. Oh, well, well, Buttigieg is a lunatic, so. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you know. Um, I got to be honest, uh, I was, we were making breakfast and MSNBC was on, and MSNBC oh, on the weekends is just like torture. MSNBC, aside from three uh, shows, is pretty nightmarish, it's just torturous, to be but honest. I heard Bernie Sanders yeah. speaking, and I got to be honest, it was almost as triggering as hearing Trump speak. I was like, oh God, what's happening? Um, he's holding this campaign event in Brooklyn, and... Uh, Doing a lot of uh, dog whistling around, yep. in, a, in the sort of reverse of dog whistling, right? Around race. He can't manage to say black people, um, yeah. but he, he can talk about criminal, criminal justice, justice reform, reform and economic and, equality. Right. And, it's the same old game. And I'm just like, I find myself just yelling at him. And he can't hear me, but I just find myself yelling <laughs> at him a lot um, and being well, really was... tired of him. I, I, sorry for no, please. Sorry, sorry for cutting across you. Well, this is a problem he had last time. I mean, one of my main objections to Bernie was uh, he is at least somewhat responsible for helping give the conservative movement cover from the left when they uh, killed comprehensive immigration reform. I think in oh six oh seven. Yeah. I mean, he was going on Lou Dobbs and basically saying that we can't allow immigrants into the country because they lower labor costs. Yeah, he, no, he, was, he was that. using I the I remember. I, I remember it, too. He was he was doing the immigrants take our jobs uh, argument. Really, yeah. He was part of what led to the current panic on immigration. And he's never owned up to that. I mean, it would be one thing if Bernie Sanders was the kind of person who was capable of saying, I made a mistake. No, but that's he's not the kind yeah, that's of, not happening. He's the kind of ideologue who believes so much that he is right, that even when he's wrong, because his basic ideals, mm -hmm. he thinks, are moral, he can't see well, his whole that he is, makes a His whole shtick is, I've been consistent for 40 years, you know, and he hasn't. I mean, no politician is. Times change, but he's trying to play that game. That's like, you know, all these other, late, you know, newcomers, they care about free uh, health care and, and college. But I was doing it before and I've been consistent. And it's like, no, you haven't been consistent on everything, including guns. He's like an old man hipster. Stuff. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. Well, it's very similar to. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to talk about Jeremy Corbyn. We need to keep it focused on the U.S. But, you know, well, similar kind of thing goes on yeah. there. And and I guess when we're talking about the progressive left, let's let's focus on the on the on what we were going to talk about, which is um, our candidates on the left in this primary. Yeah. Um, I like Warren, but but Arliss made a point about Warren in a conversation. I don't know if you want to bring that up here. I won't make it for you. Um, I like some of the other folks, but I'm kind of wondering who the left of our party, we progressives, are going to coalesce around at this stage. So my point about Warren is that I, of course, love Elizabeth Warren, and I would love to see her in the White House. I don't think she's electable. I'm sitting here in the Midwest. I don't think Elizabeth Warren is electable, mm. but where I really, really want to see Elizabeth Warren even more than I want to see her in the White House, I want to see her as chairman of the Fed, putting regulation at the center of the Fed's agenda and making bankers cry. Same thing with Sherrod Brown. I want to see him as as um, chairman of Senate Banking, making bankers cry. Yes. That. 
To me, those would be absolutely critical, pivotal things. Also, you know, Stephanie Kelton is Treasury Secretary, but that's my own MMT thing. You know, I I, I completely agree with you. I I agree. And I could live, and and Rachel might disagree with me, because I don't think Bernie's going to win the nomination anyway, but I could live in a world where if it was President Sanders and Warren in charge of the Fed, uh, one of our wonderful uh, progressive uh, women of color overseeing like a, a a whole thing on criminal justice reform, um, you know these things you're talking about, like head of I, the DOJ, yes, for example, yeah, yeah, a progressive attorney general. I could I could live with that. Look, if Bernie Sanders wins the nomination, fine, great. But, I'll do the, all the things and vote for him, and obviously, <laughs> yep, you know, all the things. But but, he, but he's not, and, and I want to talk about why he's not going to win. He's he's trying yeah. to play the, He's trying to thread the needle and play this game to where. You know, he he doesn't want to tailor his message too hard to attract people of color and women of color because that's going to turn off the disaffected white uh, working class folks that he thinks he can get in a general election. The problem is he's running in a Democrat and he has to win a Democratic primary. So it's this very destructive uh, formula, right? Where oh yeah, it it it, yeah. it it splits the party. It creates divisiveness, and in the end, it's not going to get enough. Now, this is why he tried to open up all the primaries and try to have more caucuses, and you know, try to bring in a bunch of independents to vote in Democratic, because that's how he thinks he can win, right? Right. Uh, but he didn't get enough of that to still do it. It you know, it's still going to be. He managed to do it here in Colorado, which is. Still, but that was stupid because it was a closed caucus and he won by twenty here anyway. Right. So it doesn't make a difference here. Right, but it doesn't matter to his supporters. They want whatever he wants, and so they did this horrible, destructive, awful thing. And now we have independents uh, that get to vote in Democratic and Republican. But we have primaries. a primary at least, <laughs> and we have a primary instead of a caucus. Yeah, thank and, God, uh, caucus here was a nightmare. Oh God, it was. But but no, and you know, listening to him talk about criminal justice reform is like. It's literally like reverse dog whistling. It's saying, well, you know, the sentences and the the things and the criminal justice and all the things. And it's like, I would like to hear him utter the phrase, black men are disproportionately incarcerated for crimes that are committed um, across all of the spectrums. Black people, like the new Jim Crow, like all of the things, right? He can't do that. He can talk broadly about criminal justice so that he hopes black people can hear him. Yes. But he can't say black people because then Marge in Iowa is like, well, I don't want black people out of jail. That's scary, right? Yes, exactly. And it's just horrifying. And and this is exactly what happened in 2016. It's why he lost the Democratic primary. And I don't think he's learned anything. Can I just say, as someone who's been working class, that the white working class doesn't exist and and the white rural space doesn't exist. If you go to rural spaces, if you go to working class spaces, it's not just really white folks. It is people of of every, you know, shape and color and kind you could imagine. And Bernie's focus is very, very Vermont focused. Mm-hmm. If, right. if, if the American electorate for the presidency looked like Vermont, Bernie would take the Democratic primary, oh, sure. primary yeah. and he'd win. Of course. Um, and, you know, I think Bernie as a candidate, if he was running against Mitt Romney, would probably clean up pretty well, too. 
But he's not running against Mitt Romney. He's running up against a fire-breathing populist. Yeah, a bizarro who's, who's, racist populist. Yeah, yeah. which... which um, he strikes some he, of the same chords for those people. And it's not... When you say working-class white, what we really mean is exurban and rural white people, for the most yeah, part. Yeah, and, and, and that's what people mean. But, you know, out there... I mean, one of the things that I've been trying to get Democrats to be able to do is, is, is we can we can message to poor people really, really well if we just do it right. Um, the problem is that we need to be able to admit where our technocratic solutions failed. Uh, a really easy exa- example is if you're going out to coal country in those areas, there have been offers for job training programs for Appalachia. And uh, historically, Appalachia is not one of the ideologically racist parts of this country. Um, in Virginia, the ninth district was the only district in Virginia to send someone to the House that supported the Civil Rights Act. Uh-huh. Um, their whole focus is we're getting forgotten out here. So if you could please offer some help for us. And, and you know, that was Trump's whole message, even though it was a lie. Is yeah, we're going to bring and, it home. And we, and we failed. Gonna... It's all about messaging. And we failed yeah, on we... The messaging to them. So. So if we do messaging right in coal country and it can be, you know, your towns are drying up and blowing away. And even if the coal comes back, they're just going to harvest it with robots because the robots are taking your jobs now. We need to do job training and we'll pay you to do the training. Right, no, we tried the, the tough like, love approach. Like, you know, you're going out of business yeah. and you have to do it this way. And that's not what people wanted to hear, which is understandable. Even well, if and it's not realistic. And under MMT principles, we know that we can save these rural towns from drying up and blowing away. We can do job training. We can do infrastructure growth. It's just that we've had this typical liberal problem that we developed in in the, I think, the 90s, where we wanted to do good things, but we also wanted nobody to notice because then the Republicans might tear it down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're still we're still playing well, that game. And we let us ourselves get sucked into the how you're going to pay for that. And yes. we still... Um, get to the apologetic how you're going to you know how you're going to pay for that way of looking at things instead of saying you know what that is not the most important thing the most important thing is what's happening to people what's happening in people's lives right. people and this planet are more important than how you're going to pay for that because uh, think- how you're going to pay for that is not the constraint the constraint is uh, running out of goods and services yeah, and I think the way you flip that on your, on its head is by changing the argument is to say that the people in these communities already have been paying for that with their federal taxes, with the work they do is thankless that is thankless. They've already paid into the system and the system hasn't paid out to them. The system owes them for their hard work and has been ignoring them as their towns dry up and blow away and their way of life has been destroyed. I would argue so, that the people have already so been paying they, that for that. They've already with... paid for it, and we've given all their money to corporations where you've had General Electric paying negative income tax. I would argue yeah. that the people have already been paying for that with their blood and their bodies and their yes. their lives. Um, and so I think Arliss is exactly right that <clears throat> there are more important yeah. things than how are you going to pay for it. And I think some of these new... Um, congressmen and women have come in and said, I don't give a shit about that. You know, the new Green Deal and AOC um, and all of that is is about it, how you're going to pay for it is not more important than are we going to have a fucking planet to live on? Yeah. How you're well, going to pay for it is not more important than a, a local disability activist in our community died this week um, because she was denied uh, coverage or um, treatment because of her insurance coverage, and she died. And uh, she she was 
<clears throat> running for office. She was one of the um, the, the leaders on um, protesting. Uh, the repeal of Obamacare and sitting in Cory Gardner's office. She got arrested. All of that that hit the national news. She died this week because she was denied treatment because of her insurance coverage. So I don't really give a shit how we're going to pay for it, but we're going to fucking do it. And and the answer is in dollars, just like we pay for everything else, just right. like Republicans paid for their tax cuts, just like they, they paid to give their, their rich friends lots of public money. Just like we uh, pay for quantitative easing to save the banks. Yeah. If we can pay, if we can just make up money to save the banks, we can make up money to save the American people. Yep. It's that. And, and the point, the point is not the money. That's, I think we let ourselves, that's where yes. as liberals, we let ourselves get, see, here we are talking about the money. We yep. let ourselves, we're so used to that. And I do it, I do it just as often as anybody else. But we get so locked into talking about the money that we forget to talk about. The issue is balancing the economy, the health and welfare of the economy, the people in the economy, and the, you know, the, the planet upon which we are dependent. So that, you know, we have to talk about those things. That's what's important. And that is all you know, the, when we talk about people who are disaffected or people who are angry or people who are not heard or people who are in trouble, uh, you know, um, health-wise or in the judicial system or some kind of other, they're actually enduring some kind of, you know, real crisis right now, they don't care about the digits on a screen. They care about their lives, what affects them, how they're going to eat, how they're going to be healthy, how they're going to keep a roof over their head, how they protect and care for their families. Those are the things that that appeal all the way across the political spectrum everywhere in this country, except at the very top. And they only care about money. Well, you know what, what pissed me off the other day was when Kamala Harris decided she had to say, Oh, I'm not a socialist. I'm not a socialist. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so you're giving credence to making that the boogeyman and the scary yes. word. Uh, what she should have said was, look, no matter what, they're going to call us socialists. The word is meaningless. This is what I want to do and this is what we need to do. Instead, she she's breathing life into that. And then the problem with that, of course, is that Bernie Sanders is going to turn around and say, yeah, I am a socialist. And, you know, a couple others might say the same thing. And now uh, and now the focus is now our side is wrestling with is socialism OK or not. And 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 then the other side is just going to pound us with that um, because they do this all the time. And, I, you know, I don't necessarily know the answer because just ignoring it hasn't necessarily worked. But feeding into this idea that the, the word socialism is dirty, it's like feeding into Remember 20 years ago. Feeding, uh, saying, calling yourself a liberal was a dirty word, remember? Oh, yeah. And I think the solution is to just say the word socialist doesn't mean anything anymore because of how many different things have been called socialism. Apparently, uh, enshrining insurance companies, private companies into our healthcare system and giving them lots of money is socialism. Yeah, but that's, that's like, too nuanced, Will. Like, the, the, the problem is, is that Aunt Marge hears the word socialism and it scares her, period. You, you could sit down and try to explain the, the nuances of why the word is meaningless, but she hears the word and it scares her. And then when Kamala well, Harris says, well, I'm not that, then she points, see, see, it's a dirty word. 
Yeah, and see, the point. trick is she hears the word socialism, Aunt Marge, hears the word socialism and or my next door neighbor, hears the word socialism and doesn't think socialism. They think communism. They equate those two things. It is the same word in their head. Or yes. if they watch Fox News, now it's it's also fascism. <laughs> so yeah, well, it's whatever ism is scary, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think the res- the best response is I'm not a socialist. I'm an FDR progressive. You remember FDR when Americans were hurting and we made sure that they had jobs again. We you didn't let old people die in the streets. Yeah. Yeah, you remember when when millions of Americans were out of work. We're going in that direction with automation. We need to address that problem. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that Americans have jobs. That's that's the main thing and good paying jobs. And you just you just turn away and say, I'm a progressive. I, uh, we follow the historic policies of the Democratic Party back to FDR. We are supporting jobs for the American people. I, I, I don't really care about this question about socialism because the Cold War is over. We won. I, I agree. But I, but I think we're headed there. I, I think it's the word. It's going to it's going to be nonstop. Because some of the candidates are going to say, yeah, yeah, I'm a socialist and some won't. And of course, the right is and then just you just accuse the Republicans of trying to relive the Cold War yeah. while ignoring the problems of the American people. Yeah. They want to talk about socialism because they don't care about you or your lives. They want to talk about, you know, the Red Scare and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They don't care about helping Americans. They just want to relive the Cold War. Which that's is, all which is ironic because they're all in bed with the Russians. But, you know, yeah, that's, that's another story. So, yeah. Way to go, modern Republican Party for rehabilitating McCarthy's paranoia, by the way. <laughs> and Putin. But let's uh, <coughs> let's go ahead and shift gears a little bit to this idea of uh, the millennials and, and what they're going to do. And I just want to chime in on a couple things really quick because, you know, there was – right after the 2018 election, there was all these numbers that, well, millennials didn't show up again. Uh, and that's not true. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, the percentage of millennial voters increased quite dramatically. Yes. Um, now, now, maybe not as much relative to some other groups – but it's not necessarily a fair comparison, especially to those of us who are on the ground working to get our generation more involved. And can uh, I can I just say one other thing about this? Yeah, um, I've heard another slur, not just against millennials, but against people who voted for Bernie in the primaries. Like they're saying, oh, the Bernie folks didn't show up. Yet I think nine out of 10 Bernie Bernie primary voters showed up to vote for Hillary in the general election. And I have a lot of friends who are Bernie supporters who hate Hillary Clinton and held their nose to do that. So I really hope we can put that slur against that part of our party to bed once and for all, because millennials showed up. Team Bernie showed up. Yeah, it's just a but, lie to divide the party. But nine out of 10 is fine, but it's got to be nine point five out of 10. So there's that. Well, uh, it, nobody gets I mean, I, I remember back when when it was uh, Clinton, Obama, and you had that Roger Stone operation that was the party unity, my ass. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Pumas. Like mm-hmm. you always yeah. have people. You're never going to not have people whose candidate lost and then and then take their ball and go home because they're relatively wealthy and whoever wins, it doesn't really matter to them. I would just you're always going to gonna have I, I, the trust I, of Yeah, but I would think that the divisiveness of the Bernie campaign, especially, you know, after it was clear he was going to come up short and then all the conspiracy theories and all this other crap, I think it did cause some some issues. And I, I know, relatively speaking, the third parties maybe didn't get 
a, a higher percentage than they than they normally do, and and maybe that's not the issue to focus on. But it still sticks in my craw. Okay, the, yeah. peop, the people who call themselves progressive voted for Stein or Gary Johnson or even Trump in some cases just because they were feeling that spiteful or sat it out. Um, it's, well, let me ask you, Trav. Me. Do you know anybody in that category? Yes, we do. Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's I, the problem. The, the only the only Bernie supporter that I know who voted for somebody else voted for Gary Johnson because they didn't know anything and I wasn't talking to them. Well, like we, literally, that's the only person I know. No, we know in, we, in we our, know per, people personally who either sat out. Or I know voted a lot of sat time. outs. And some of them have lost their jobs as a result of them, like a yep. friend that works for the EPA. Yep. Oops. Yikes. Yep. That was a protest. Oh, huh? man. Yep. 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 That's, well, a, that's a special kind of stupid. Yep. Oh, my gosh. And this is not a stupid person. This is no. a really, 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 really smart, smart person. PhD person who works for the EPA and is unemployed. And just got so oh, caught up in this idea that you know the the establishment is bad mm-hmm. and the two party system is terrible. But she was going to win anyway, and I'm not going to. I would never. I can't even hold my nose and vote for her because I hate her so much. Now, now, well, now that didn't matter here in Colorado, but extrapolate. Like I'm sure there were plenty of those in Michigan and some well, of those in Pennsylvania, and you know you see what the problem is. And if I could point out, you said the one thing that I think is more important than anything else. She's going to win anyway. Yes. Everybody thought. Hillary Clinton was going to win, including any- President Trump. And including really, President Trump, he and really thought quickly, he was going to lose. That is when Democrats lose elections. When Democrats think they're guaranteed to win, our internal purity gets us to stay home because we decide, well, I'm not going to sully myself by holding my nose and voting for this person that I hate. That's, and I think that's, that's something where that happens we are in, in real our party. trouble in 2020. Because everybody thinks there's no way the American people will elect Trump again. And well, so, and that's one of the things that we need to push really hard is that if we don't get everybody to the polls, Trump is going to win again. Yeah. There was this there was this panic back in um, uh, the 2012 presidential race where you had all these Democrats being like, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. Romney's going to win. Oh, my God. And we're like looking at the polls and it's like he's not. And he's like, no, but we have to say it. Otherwise, people will get complacent. And right. in 2016, Fair. we got complacent. Yeah. So so we got to we got to, you know, tell people the moment Democrats think they're going to win is the moment that they smash, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. That's how we do it. So we can't we have to say the Russians are going to interfere because they are mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to inter- interfere in the ways they did last time with the micro targeting where have you guys uh, are you guys familiar with how that happened? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So basically they're, they're at it again today. We just saw yeah. was it women of color for Bernie? Women of color. For, W-O-C Obviously for so Bernie, fake. And they're trying to speak in A.A.V.E. to this <laughs> black Twitter woman. And they're like, sister, you be lying if you think that us sisters aren't voting for Bernie. And it's uh, like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yes. Yeah, follow that IP like, address to Vladimir. And then they did. Yeah. And it was like they do also do ads for like Cosmo. And then, they, then there's a whole other thing where it's like they started February of 2019 and they have 19 followers. And you're like, OK, so it's a bot. That's <laughs> yeah. good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. They're at it again. Yeah. And so they're going to do that. And they're going to hit Facebook up and they're going to keep the, that process going. But I think we're a lot more aware of it now, and I think we're going to be able to call it out. The one thing we're not going to be able to do is um, there are going to be BS stories that we would normally be able to knock down that we won't see because the individuals will be micro-targeted, and it'll only be select individuals in a select community that are going to see that. 
Um, and it's going to be like it was last time. It was it was Syrian immigrants thought Trump was going to be great for Syrian immigrants because they kept targeting Syrian Americans with the vote with these anti Hillary messages. Mm -hmm. And right. and, you know, it was all Trump is actually going to defeat ISIS and protect Syrians, oh, they, yeah, they know uh, what Christians doing. and stuff they like know that. What yeah. Doing. So so we're not even going to be aware of that conversation happening when it happens unless the Democratic Party decides that it's finally time to spend millions of dollars hiring people who can do that kind of social uh, conversation management. That, that until we get serious about that, that's going to be a threat. So Which we just we have to do the math. Which we absolutely get serious about. OK, yeah. I want to switch gears for a minute and I want to talk about some of the like leading contenders, I guess, and see how you guys feel about them. Um, let's start with Kamala Harris, since we were already talking about her. Hard skeptic. Yeah. Same. Same. Reasons? Yeah. Uh, she gives some great speeches, but her record's yeah. interesting. And uh, she's doing, I feel like she's doing the Barack Obama thing. Like, her speeches are great, but she's not really saying all that much policy-wise from from my perspective like that's she's speaking in broad brushes yeah my my problem isn't necessarily that because i think it's early but um her record as a prosecutor is really really yep. troublesome for me um particularly uh around some of the work that she did when she was in california um about the death penalty and um fighting against the elimination of mandatory minimums and sort of i think working against uh the criminal justice reform that I am really passionate about. And mm -hmm. especially because she is a black woman, um, that she harmed her community in a lot of ways and, and stands by that record and says, well, when she, she's, she's confronted to, with it, she yeah. says things like, she's trying to play both sides though. Mm -hmm. She, she stands by it and she says, we need to fix it. She's going to run on it. Acknowledging personally her hand, in right? It. Like tough on crime. And mm -hmm. also, you know, black communities are disproportionately incarcerated for things that, right. But, yeah, I uh... can I can I throw up a devil's advocate uh, position that I've heard just so that the group can knock it down. I totally disagree with this myself. OK, so what uh, the counter argument that I've heard is said that, you know, Trump was talking about being the law and order candidate and she's pro death penalty and tough on crime. She could potentially win some of those voters in general. Well, yeah, I mean, those voters sure. are not going to vote for a black woman. That's right. Exactly. Period. So a few and ways, it's but. it is so. Here's I have two primary problems with uh, Kamala Harris as a candidate, um, and they are not. Well, one of them is definitely my problem with her, and I I never get chosen on juries. I get consistently. In fact, my questionnaire. Um, I just never even get selected to go in because I have such a huge problem with prosecutors. Yeah, me too. High five. <laughs> and um, it's I'm very clear about that on my form and why something happened specifically and uh, um, something that a prosecutor actually refused to prosecute, a white collar crime that took place uh, in my life and um, a prosecutor refused to, to prosecute. And I could go on at that length and I won't. But the point is, uh, prosecutors are so incredibly random about how they persecute justice. Sure. And no, it's just about winning. If they, they, that's right. It's, it's not about costs. the truth. It has yeah. nothing to do with that. It never, yeah. so, ever, ever does. I, I, um, 
she is disingenuous to me in many, many ways when she uh, talks about social justice Mm -hmm. issues. So that's my thing with her. But the second thing is I when I came back. So I hibernated basically from Twitter and the news feeds and everything for the better part of six months. And when I started coming back into the world, one of the things I did was to get back on Twitter. And in that process, I asked a question about whether anybody thought uh, anybody had data on whether or not a Democrat could win the um, the election without winning this um, either the South or the Midwest in, you know, in large quantity. And um, basically, the net is no, you've well, got to have- That depends on Florida, right? Because Obama got crushed in the South except for Florida. Well, but you've – exactly. And all of its many, many, many electoral college votes. Uh-huh. So you have to have – and Obama won Indiana. Obama won – I mean – Yeah, the first there time, were, yeah. Yeah. There could- were the, – Anyway, the the net was that um, Kamala Harris does not have the kind of appeal she would need for the Midwest. Uh, She does to some degree maybe in the South, but I think she's the wrong Southern candidate. I think if you're looking for the Southern candidate, it's either Stacey Abrams or um, uh, Beto. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So many names to get through. (laughs) If if I could just say something about Florida really quickly. Um, Virginia is blue because we did criminal justice reform and allowed felons to vote again. Florida is going to trend blue for similar reasons. Yeah. But oh, yeah. But they have a whole Republican House and governor that are going to try to gum up that works. Keep your eye on that. It's not going to go smoothly. Yeah, they did yeah. a similar thing in Virginia when they had a Republican governor in house to try to gum up that one. And remember, it's going to take some McConnell cycles. McConnell and Trump are stacking the courts, so we don't. We're not sure how that's going to turn out. Um, we're, that mm-hmm. is a work in progress. It was awesome that that passed on election night, even though inexplicably they they still voted in DeSantis and Scott. But um, you know that's going to be an ongoing battle. But uh, anyway. So- could I? Yeah, go ahead. Just one last comment about about this. Uh, so, DeSantis is not the worst Florida Republican you could have. No, he's and actually, he's terrible. But he's, you're right. He comes from sort of the Charlie Crist thing, where he's somewhat pro environment and has some ties to libertarians that would otherwise not vote. He's awful. Like DeSantis yeah, he's a Trump is awful. Racist, yeah. But he just tried to block uh, drilling in the Everglades, for example, and he's. Uh, I, I I hate the guy personally, and I, I wish that we had a different governor in Florida. And I'm really angry about this, how the Senate race turned no, out. No, so there. so far he's not legislating as bad as Scott did, which is surprising. He's um, not from the Rick Scott branch of the party. No. He's not really from the Trumpster branch of the party. But he, he comes ran, from but he ran, of, he ran that way. Yeah, because Florida Republicans have learned that the best way to get elected is to lie and stir up populism, yeah. and then do everything that you were going to do anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so just closing off on Harris real quick. You know, I know a lot of our friends in the Daily Coast community have really rallied around Harris, uh, and that's fine. But this is another example of that. You know, we're not all in lockstep. (laughs) We're not. Right. We don't all meet, you know, together. uh, Greg and Kegro and Armando, you know, Kegro never picks favorites. But like, you know, all gathered around and say, this is our person and we're going to push him through. Like, no, we have varying opinions and. That's and, okay. and I get the the knee jerk reaction to say, you know, this is a, a 
a woman of color running for office. Well, how amazing with a background be? as a prosecutor, we can get those white but, votes. Like, I, she's not. I, I'm not. I I'm can't, not sold. No, I can't support her. I'm sorry, I can't do it. Um, I can't. And if she wins the nomination, of course I will go door knocking and do all of the things to make her the president. And I'm just not going to support her in the primary. No, there's so many better I options. Can't. Let's talk about who should we talk about next? I want to talk about Cory Booker. Okay. Nobody likes him but me. <laughs> I like Cory Booker. I've I always liked Cory Booker. I think plenty of people like Cory Booker. I just don't know if they think he's presidential material. Um, I mean, I've been following him. I'm going to be a hipster here. I've been following him for a really long time um, since his first run at being the mayor of Newark when he lost to the establishment um, mayor. Uh, they did a documentary about it called Brick City. I think everyone should watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on his second attempt, he won. Um, and then after being the mayor of Newark for a while, he became a senator. Um, he did a lot of great things in Newark. Oh my God. Remember in the nineties, early two thousands, like Newark was a dump and even people who lived there would tell you that it was one of the things that I think speaks the most about his character is that when he became the mayor of Newark, New Jersey, he decided to go live in the part of town that had the highest crime rate in Mm -hmm. the whole city. Uh, because if he lived in that part of town, then it would be required that security would be around him. And so he went to the most crime-ridden part of the city so that he would have um, security around him yes. so that that part of the city would become safer. And Newark has really revitalized and not just gentrified and kicking all the Correct. You know, people out. Like no. it's really, really yeah. – like people live and stay in Newark now. Fifteen years ago, that wasn't a thing. Yes, He did a really, I mean, he's pretty tremendous. I think the left's problem with him is that they feel he's too tied into the banking system. Um, I I don't really understand that uh, complaint directly affects, like direct to him as though who doesn't among the candidates. Yeah, I mean, that was a similar attack on on Hillary Clinton. Even after she hired Gary Gensler, she was still seen as like the Wall Street candidate. Which Cory is, Booker you know, is not a Wall Street candidate. It's just it's absurd to say that. It's absurd. Well, um, it's, it goes back to us doing purity tests and stuff like that. I I personally like Cory Booker. Booker is is potentially who I'm the most excited about in in this race. Because one of the other things, um, oh gosh, what was her name? The the Texas humorist. I mentioned this to you, Arliss, and I've forgotten her name again. Um, uh, she. She died of cancer. She uh, she didn't get to see George W. Bush, you know, uh, and his his presidency or Barack Obama. Um, Anyway, she would always talk about what you look for is the Elvis factor. Mm -hmm. Who in your candidates is the most exciting? And I and I look at Kamala Harris and I think a lot of her stuff rings hollow. I, I don't when I hear Cory Booker, I don't think Cory Booker rings hollow. No, I've met him. Um, and he is, I watched him at a, uh, a donor party in 2016, um, here in Denver. Uh, he was campaigning for Michael Bennett and, um, oh. he, he's just, he's a, a really, um, I think he's a really great orator yeah. along the lines of Barack Obama, but I also, yeah, no, he's really personable. This, uh, man who was at the event, um, passed out. Um, sort of in like the third or fourth row, we're standing in a backyard, but for some reason, this older man um, collapsed during Booker's speech. And like, he just completely stopped and runs forward towards this man and is like, are you okay? And he's trying to get him back up and he gets him into a chair. And like, it wasn't even, it, it, it was just his instinct was like, holy shit, are you okay? You know? 
in the middle of his speech for all these like you know rich democrats and i just thought like okay the dude's legit like that's he's one of two people who ran toward the falling down guy right yeah donald trump sure as hell wouldn't do that right (laughs) somebody take care of that get him out of here arliss you were gonna say something yeah will did you mean molly ivins Yes, Molly Ivins. Yeah. Okay. You like her. Okay. So let, let we're, we're running a little short on time, so let's try to get through uh, all the candidates. Steve Bullock. Who? Who? <laughs> that would be his problem. Um, he is the governor of Montana. Oh, yes, Bullock. Okay. I don't, yeah. okay, I don't so know anything about this, this person. Slightly interesting. Because uh, I, I honestly have not. I have no idea who I'm going to support in the election. I really, really don't know. I'm nowhere close to making that decision. Um, And so while I was basically on Twitter on that sort of first day sticking my toe back in the water, um, somebody came to me, you know, perked up on Twitter and said, hey, have you looked at Steve Bullock? And I said, who? (laughs) And... Um, governor, you know, governor of Montana. And I said, who? What? And yeah, so, well, so he has like four constituents. Yeah. This guy's kind of interesting, oh. though, because yeah. he, he is a Democrat, a Democratic mm. governor uh, in a basically Republican state mm-hmm. and works with this giant Republican legislature mm-hmm. and has managed to pass Medicare expansion and gun control. This man passed gun control Montana. in Montana. Anna through a Republican legislature. That's impressive. Okay, now those are some damn skills. That's and impressive. And if I could just say about about Montana and Montana Democrats, uh, Montana is a a very unique state in terms of its politics, where people are actually capable of working with each other on some level, but they still have their you know fire breathing crazy Republicans there. Oh yeah. Uh, and so someone like. Uh, you know, Steve Bullock is actually capable of reaching the lefty tendencies in rural and working class America without being a racist or a populist or awful. He's able to actually, you know, take the kind of steps that that we um, have needed to take for a really, really long time. Um, I don't know that he's all that interesting. Uh, I, I, like, I think the main place he lacks is the Elvis thing. But as as a potential vice presidential candidate, I think this guy's the gold standard right now. He might well, be. And I'd really like to see other. him have an effect on the uh, on the campaign. And I, and I really want to see him in the debates because I think he could have a real impact. And if he if he turns out to show up and be able to have an Elvis factor, he's someone he should support. Well, he'll be on like. night three of the debates. <laughs> um, I think yes. we should talk night about 87. all the people who are running who are definitely not going to be the president but might be really good vice presidents uh so uh castro castro by uh, uh castro, jay inslee know. i think inslee just announced yeah. uh that boot ledge ledge guy boot edge edge boot edge boot edge yeah yeah the edgy boot guy um <laughs> uh i think we can kind He's of running- knock them out of of real realistically contention for the nomination but could be potentially good candidates for the vice president i don't think pete i doubt that pete would be selected mayor pete would be selected um because even in indiana people have trouble with his name so here everybody calls him <laughs> mayor pete because that's just easier because i'm just gonna mayor, call him you know, the edgy boot guy from now on yeah the edgy boot guy mm-hmm. from south bend um but the 
the deal with him is that I don't think that um, either the Midwest or the South as a whole is ready to vote for uh, a ticket. Yeah, with the as as they will say, the gay guy. But the fact is that I think Pete's running for 2028 anyway. Yeah, yeah, he's he's getting his name on the. Yeah, and good for him. Because, again, he would be a great president. But, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere. I think that's what he's doing. Okay. Here's a guy I hope doesn't run, and I'm not sure he's going to, and that is Joe Biden. Yep. Um, he needs to just sit down. I, I think he's actually leaning towards not running. I think he doesn't want to run, and I think his ego is pushing him to say, oh, they need me. We don't. We don't. I love Joe Biden. But you cannot come out in this day and age like the old heads need to go away. You don't get to come out and say to me, a queer person, Mike Pence is a really great guy. No. And then run for the candidacy of the Democratic Party for the president of the United States. Yeah, I that agree. That is not anybody, a thing that you can say. Yeah. No. I don't want anybody in office in the presidency who was born before 1950. That's fair. Yeah. I yeah. just I'm sorry. They're just all too old. Yes. They're too old and, and like there's just no way for them to really understand the world that we live in. And where the party's gone. But not just Biden that. The actual doesn't. world that we live in. The actual technology. Like listening to these fucking old men talk to Facebook and yes. talk to Twitter and listening to them just not understand the actual world that we live in was terrifying. These are the these are the heads of these committees that run our country and they they don't understand the fundamental way that technology works that we interact or, or that we how we interact that we do that commerce they don't that understand do so you don't get to be in and, charge if you don't get it and that and that, the, that applies not just to, to trade and commerce but to the ongoing russian attack on our country right. yes. if you don't understand yeah. the mechanism of the attack how are you going to actually be able to defend us against it right and it is there you know there was a time when and uh, this was part of that discussion, that original discussion on Twitter that I had. But uh, there was a time when how good you were at retail politics was really, uh, you know, right up there with, as Will says, the Elvis factor. Those were the most important kinds of things. Yes. But right now, really, um, old style retail politics may still be critical, but what's more or equally at, at a minimum equally important is um digital retail politics yes in other words there there are generations of uh, people now who don't really aren't really interested in going to rallies and aren't really interested in um answering their door to people they don't know and uh, you know all of those things they don't go to fairs they don't go out into you know big populations of people they just don't like it right so you know there's that group and then there are the people who just live on their phones anyway right so yeah. digital retail skills, as uh, AOC has proven, right. are absolutely like how essential. How much more reach did she well, get well, from her Instagram yeah. cooking videos while talking about policy? Well, look at it this way. Right? right? Right. Say what you want about Trump, and there's plenty to say about him, but his campaign manager is his digital comms guy. Yep. Right that, that, now, now he's a criminal, and he could be in prison before, you know, twenty twenty. The um, the comms guy himself, but that's forward thinking. That's you know, in in as much as he doesn't get about the whole world around him, he gets that. Yep. Right. Yeah. And I'm not sure that's, we do yet. 
no, I'm not sure that we do. And I, you know, when I say I, I don't want a candidate who was born before 1950, I, I'm not even sure I want a candidate who was born between before 19, like 1965. In right. other words, I'm not even sure I'm interested in somebody my age because I think that you know the world is moving so fast and there are so many there are so many skill sets that are um, essential in terms of problem the kinds of problems the next president is going to have to solve right but at the same time the i mean the other flip side of this and this came from a conversation i had just um recently with a never trumper and uh <laughs> this guy is a white gay Republican. Oh my God! And I, I know, <laughs> but, um, I, and he's a good friend of mine, and he's a smart, smart guy. But you know, there are days. Yeah. But anyway, uh, one of the things that we were talking about was Biden, mm-hmm. and he was saying that, uh, or one of us—I'm not even sure whether he said it or I said it—Biden could turn out to be. The kind of one valuable one-term president that um, Ford and Carter were in terms of their healing capacity, not in terms of other things that Ford did in his administration, and I don't want to go there, but mm-hmm. in terms of coming in after an extraordinarily traumatic event in the history of the country and being able to say, they're there. Let's mm. all calm down. Let's all, you know. Well, how did that all... how did that work out for their respective parties, though? Well, the that's you know that's another whole discussion, and I'm not saying that I would support Joe on that basis alone. I'm just yeah. saying that I think that when you're looking at um, the value that certain kinds of candidates could bring to office. That's something Joe Biden could bring that nobody else in the race has. I would argue, though, and I totally agree with you. Bernie would burn the burn the building down. Right. Right. I totally agree with you on that. And I think. From from my perspective as a millennial queer woman who's white, um, I. I. I'm fucking mad. Sure. And I want somebody who... I I don't want this trauma that we've experienced to be healed to go back to the status quo because that feels like a defeat. I want this trauma to be the exposing thing that it is to say this is what is fundamentally wrong with with our country Mm -hmm. and with our values and I want somebody to come in and burn the fucking building down. I want them to say, this is fucked. And what we just experienced exposed all of these holes and all of these things that were wrong to begin with that we didn't recognize. And I want to fix it. I don't want to go back to status quo and be healed and be coddled and, oh, it's going to be fine now because things are going to go back to normal because what we've realized is normal is fucked. Well, okay, but that's not what I was saying at all. There's a difference between healing and going backwards. And... And I do think that healing is essential because the only the opposite of that is breaking. And uh, and I don't believe in the Susan Sarandon, you know, break it and burn it to the ground approach, because, again, in my conversation with my um, never Trumper friend, what he hears from Republicans is terrifying to me. And that is um, something that I've heard now out of the mouths of congressmen, too, which is that or no, out of the mouth of uh, Cohen the other day. I'm not sure 
that there's going to be a peaceful transfer of power. I'm really not. Right. And, uh, you know, their side has the guns. Right. And that is, I, I think that there is value in, you know, Rachel, when you talk about, I'm really angry and I want to burn the building to the ground. Yes. I hear, I hear that. And everything you want, I want. I'm not saying that you're wrong or that I don't want those things. What I am saying is that burning it to the ground may not be the most efficacious way to get there. Well, and I think from my perspective, burning it to the ground, the it in question is the Republican Party. And well, I think, yes. I think, I think the best way Let's to achieve do that, that yes. is, is with the sort of new Democratic coalition that's developing here. And that that includes veterans. That includes uh, a lot of national security focused uh, folks and voters who, again, are the people with guns in this country uh, who are really suspicious of Trump's, you know, friendship with Putin and stuff like that. Um, And and I think and I kind of have been looking at at our candidates wishing there was, you know, like a former general or something that was running. Not me. No. When I say burn it to the ground, I don't mean, well, in some ways, I mean, I don't think that, well, <laughs> the state needs to exist. But um, but I, yeah. I mean that the current system that we have, that we've all been pretending has been working for everybody, that Donald Trump has sort of exposed in some ways that doesn't, that I think that we really need to, to I think this the midterms and the people that we've elected in those midterms and some of this new generation of people have come to sort of expose, which is there's a different way to do things that is within the rule of law and that is within our capacity to do. But I'm tired. I don't want to go back to before Donald Trump. I want to go to post Donald Trump. And I want to say Diane Feinstein yelling at kids. Um, oh my God! Oh my God! Right? Let, let's well, we not can't. Go down that we can't do hole. it. So it's just, just not the way things are done. It was a bad idea. Um, oh, no, so bad. No, like that's the kind of shit I want to see go away. I'm done with that. I'm done with all of you. I'm done. Stop. Don't tell me what you can't do, or that it's not. It's, that's the thing. It's not that it's not possible to do. It's that you lack the will to do it. You yeah. are the people in charge. You are the people who write legislation. You make the rules. So make it happen. Don't tell me that it can't be done because you don't have the will to do it. Well, let me just say as a millennial, things. if our current leadership won't do it, we'll get we'll run for office and do it for them. I mean, look at AOC. Well, well you had other right. Democrats. That's well, other happening. Democrats were grandstanding. Uh, she was she had a very specific line of questioning yes. that led to potentially allowing the subpoenaing Agreed. of, of tax returns. Time out. Ten million Time percent. out. Time out. Um, Kegro said a really interesting thing about that, and he's right about this. Um, and that is that uh, committee chairmen, when they so desire, um, work with uh, their committee to make sure that certain kinds of issues get presented. Right. You know, by their side, right. all the way around, so that somebody is responsible for each kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is absolutely clear to me that AOC was um, that that she was parceled the job of getting those names, getting that trail mm-hmm. on the record. And she may have done that regardless, but yeah. She, yeah. she well, may but have, my point is, but I know her chairman. Yeah. They planned this 
you know, these people yeah, sat sure. down, sure. planned this thing like a dance. This Absolutely. was not an accidental thing. She didn't stumble across this. Just like AOC is benefiting from having the opportunity to work with Nancy Pelosi and understanding what Pelosi does well. Um, and what she, I mean, I'm going to stop you for a minute. That I agree of, with you, but I think there's a reason. Valuable. I think there's a reason it's her. And it's not yeah. because she doesn't have merit. I think there the is reason, reason it's her is because you don't want somebody with her kind of firebrand, you know, young, tech savvy, social media savvy, wit, um, you don't want somebody like her being against the establishment. And so there's it's I, I just I think it's I don't want to cross into this world where we just picked this random person and it wasn't random. And it's not well, because I didn't say that. And, and I, I didn't mean that. Yeah, I, I hear what what Arliss is saying. She's very specific that this is this is the committee is working with her and she's working with the committee. Um and, and, and I agree with that. But what I would go on to say is it's because she's done this before in congressional hearings. Like she's proved that she can do this sort of thing before. Really she's well. very good at running through these questions, rapid fire and getting that job done. Uh, and so uh, and, and like that's the main reason why she's being selected to do this, because this is a job she can do. Uh, whereas uh, some of the other more established Democrats are not really as quick. Like she's fast. And she's able to run through the issues really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and she's exactly the kind of person we need in these committees asking these sorts of questions. And, and I hope she's in Congress for forever until she runs for president. Because I mean, no, I was going to say, I think her I think her uh, committee chairman wanted to shine. I think he purposely wanted to shine a light on her. I think he wants her to be a president. Right. No, I think yeah. that's exactly right. I think that that it was absolutely coordinated, um, but not because but because she is who she is. Because right, she is who right, she is, right, right. they want to make her a star. They want to make her the person who didn't get into any bullshit speeches about how Michael Cohen's family must be suffering and how he's yeah. on his journey to nobility. You know, <laughs> right. she just asked some fucking pointed questions about his tax returns and was done. And that was intentional. I think you're exactly right to make it her because they want her to be a person of substance, to be seen as a person of substance because she is mm. and because she's so mm -hmm. often highlighted because of what she's wearing or what her face looks like or should she oh. wear gold hoops and, or and can I just red say lipstick or that yeah. these almost exclusively men, these conservative men who are trying to engage her and tear her down on social media. <laughs> what are they thinking? Yeah, don't do that with a New York oh bartender. My, right. A New York bartender knows exactly how to hurt you. And she's Not just a years okay. old. Somebody she's 28 who, years who old grew from the up Bronx. Like, on the what? internet. Right. Yeah. Folks, at CPAC this week, there were panels on AOC. Yeah, she's there the were boogeyman. speakers that focused on AOC. She is the she's number the new, one boogeyman. She is the new Hillary for them. They are taking that, you know, all that pillaring they did for all those, you know, decades of Hillary. They are now taking that gunfire and aiming it straight at oh, AOC. But she's so, but she's much, so more much agile better. at handling so it. So much better at it. She's never yeah. going to. She's no baggage. She is, she's no baggage. She's right. 28 years old. That's she doesn't right. have a former president as a as a spouse. Uh, she's very open she about a her stone around her neck. No, she's nothing. She's and she's <laughs> yeah. every time they come at her with something, she's just like, "Lol, motherfucker," and then owns them. And they're <laughs> just like, "Oh, 
Mm. And I think that's, I, <laughs> yeah. if I could just say, I think part of that is because she's a woman from a younger generation yeah. that didn't have to put up with all the same kinds yes. of bullshit yes. that people like Hillary Clinton had to put up that's with right. growing up and being stomped down upon. I was not and just socialized. having to like throw yeah. up your hands right. and be like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm wrong here. I was and not sort socialized of like, the same way yeah. that Hillary Clinton was socialized. I was not. Exactly. But- and neither was she. But here's the bottom line for AOC, and don't any of you think otherwise. She is seeing farther because she is standing on the shoulders of giants. Absolutely. Yes. We all are. Absolutely. Right. Without someone like Hillary, without somebody like Ginsburg, without somebody like Sandra Day O'Connor, without somebody like Eleanor Roosevelt, Pelosi, Pelosi, right? Feinstein even, right? None of us would be where we are. None of us. And she knows that. We have yeah, the, and right, right. That's why she wants to work with. I mean, she's smart. She wants to work with Pelosi because Pelosi's amazing at her right. job. Well, well, hipster woke comedy Twitter and the media tried to gin up this whole AOC versus Pelosi war. Uh, no, she didn't take that bait. She's, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, she she did oppose her in certain you know subtle ways, but that that was not the battle. They worked together and and totally deflated that. The line. reason that I was not socialized the same way that Hillary Clinton was socialized is because of Hillary Clinton and people like her. Yes. Fighting right. back against it. Yeah. Yes. So it's very so I'm glad you you did bring that up our list and, and Absolutely. for us to recognize that. Yep. It is important. 100%. Yeah, so. and I, and I think also we need to be proud of our Democratic Party because instead of, you know, breaking on factional lines the Democratic Party leadership is throwing their arms around millennials and being like, here's important stuff you can do. We trust you. You are the new zeitgeist. Let's work together, mm-hmm. which is exactly what we need to do to prevent the party from fracturing as we go forward. And boomers kind of step aside and millennials come in. Well, and this I think it was exactly... really smart of the party to embrace her because, yeah, well, because had they thrown her aside and been like, oh, she's crazy. She's too liberal, Oh, there's whatever, plenty that wanted to. Like, and they lost yeah. We would have been like, yeah, oh, they fuck were. yourselves, right? Like, no. Yeah. She needs to yeah. be front and center. And I'm glad that the party and Pelosi recognize that. Well, they, that they've part done of that. that was her. We're showing that, hey, actually, I do have the chops. Yeah. And I have the talent. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, all right. We can trust that. Then. Yep. I'm not, I'm not just a wild flamethrower, which in the other party, that'll get you to the top of the heap. You right. know, that'll make you the right. chairman of the... <laughs> The ranking member of the intelligence committee, right? You know, if you just yeah. throw bombs and you're an idiot. Right. But, uh, and you have a checkered past of letting kids get molested. But, right. you know, not a, and our party doesn't work that way. <laughs> so, what do you guys think about Stacey Abrams and Beto? Okay, I'm glad you brought so them much. up. Uh, I think Abrams would be a, a really formidable candidate if she throws her hat in. I love her so much. And one of the things I love about her so much is that. Coming off of um, Barack Obama as the first black president, I think he was smart to do this, um, but also the the measured way that he was black, mm-hmm. um, I think was what was for the time was appropriate what, for what the people time were ready for. and what what probably was necessary for the time. But the way that Stacey Abrams ran her campaign as unabashedly black and a woman, um, I think was. So inspiring, yeah. um, and she's so got an edge to she's her so Obama no didn't. bullshit, and just like she used her blackness and her 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 black woman magic, right? Like the, she she's not she didn't shy away <laughs> yeah. from it at all. She didn't shy away from it at all. She embraced it because there's nothing else you can do if you're Stacey Abrams. And it was Kamala tries to do some of that. So that, amazingly but that effective. Is the that is one of the big differences between the two of them. I, I think. agree. I agree. Right? Like. You know Stacey Abrams would never have been a fucking prosecutor, right? Like, she just... 
And yeah. she just doesn't, she just, she just feels so authentic and so authentically who she is. And it was so effective that she almost won the governor of Georgia. So I, I love her uh, intensely. I don't know if she's electable or not, but I think she is a really, I agree with Travis that she is a very formidable candidate. Nobody when you wants to her media on a debate stage. Nope. If I could just say on the electability issue uh, with demographics of Florida being more friendly to Democrats, but basically the same as in Georgia, I think if she if she takes the candidacy, she takes Florida. Yes. I think Stacey Abrams wins Florida. I don't trust Florida for anything anymore. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> um, I just Florida don't. can't figure out how to count ballots, much less cast them. Okay. You know, <laughs> I, so you know as a Floridian, you're not wrong, but we did just fix the main thing the Republicans were using for, for voter deregistration. Yeah. And local Democrats are already operating under that. So so in Democratic districts, they're already re, re-registering felons. It's well, already no, happened. No matter what it looks like, I'll never, ever trust Florida again. No, Travis is scarred. I am totally yeah. scarred. Um, how do you guys feel about Abrams? I think she's um, remarkable. And I uh, desperately hope she gets in the race. And I can't wait to hear what she has to she say. She would vault to probably the top of my list. Me too. Oh, my God. I, I'd top. like to see her on the debate stage at the very least. I, I don't yeah. know her well enough to know if I think that she'd be a great candidate or, or a great president. But I from what I've seen so far, I really like her and I'd love to at least see her be part of the debates because I think yes. the more powerful voices we have, the better we're going to do coming out of this. I mean, she and is, she's not going to be a bomb thrower. She's going to have constructive things to say. She's entirely qualified. Like she yeah. was a community organizer. She, she has done a tremendous, in addition to being like a romance novel writer, which I just find fascinating. Um, but she is really intensely qualified and she knows it. She knows her shit. She knows what she's doing. And I think people need to understand that because they look at her as like, she's this really great black lady, but like, no, no, no. <laughs> put her in a white man's body and she'd be the president, right? Like she is, she has the qualifications, the knowledge set, the skill set. Like she is, she would be at the absolute top of my list if she ran. The one thing she has to convince me of is that in order to have my vote is that uh, she can win. Right. She has to make that argument to me and convince me that she's the one that can win this thing. Because I'll tell you, I will vote for anyone, Bernie included, who could beat Trump. And I don't think I, well, anyway, I agree. Uh, I won't talk about Bernie because then I just get mad and yeah. I don't need the blood pressure right. bump that that causes. But the fact is that I will vote for anyone that wins the democratic nomination. I don't care who they are. I will knock doors. I will wear out shoes. I will do whatever it takes yes. to put somebody else in the white house. Yes. Whatever it takes. Yes. So quickly, Beto, uh, Beto, that's what I said. You said Beto. Okay, Beto. Uh, I like him. I think he's got a bright future. I don't think it's his time yet. Yeah. But I think he's going to run anyway. I love him very much, and I don't think that it's his time yet. And uh, I think, yeah, I think he should go. Um, I think he, I mean, I don't think. Well, that's uh, the thing. A lot of people are saying, just go beat Cornyn. And it's like, well, if if I can beat Cornyn, then I can win Texas. And then if I then can, I win, can Texas, win Texas, I'm then I can the win the presidency. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think. Uh, he is less qualified than Stacey Abrams. Yes, yes. I Almost would agree. everyone is less qualified, I would agree. though. <laughs> so, well, I but think... here's the thing about Beto. He is a man. Yes. Oh, and that may make him more electable. And you can't even know what that costs me to stay out loud. I know. Mm. You know it. But um, I don't see him at the top of the ticket at all. No. 
But I do wonder if it's if it's anybody except Abrams at the top of the ticket. I do wonder if Beto isn't the choice for VP. VP. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. Yep. Unless it's Abrams, and then she's got to have a white dude, an old white dude. Yeah. 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 She's got to have well, so, that, you know, I don't know that she has to have Sarah Brown, well, Brown for sure. Would yeah, Sarah. Yeah, well, except that, again, I want him in Senate right. making bankers cry. Right. Uh, no, she could go. She could run. Stacey Abrams could run with uh, Steve Bullock. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, but, but there's right. your the black the white guy. Right. There's your white guy from, from Montana. Guy from Montana. Yeah, there's the cowboy Midwest. hat and bring out his Yeah, and say how much she loves this stage. black lady. She needs a white yep. man, though. She needs a white man if she's going to run. She, she has to have one. Terry yeah. McAuliffe would be my candidate in that case. For a uh, 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 You want baggage? No. There's, yeah. I mean, no. right no. behind Bernie <laughs> in the line with way the hell too much baggage comes, you know, t- comes Terry McAuliffe. I, I like Terry, okay. but but he's a throwback to a time I think we've moved on from. Yeah. Well, I, but I think that's I, I, I totally agree. But I also think that's kind of what would be needed uh, for someone like Abrams. And, and there are other options, but. You know, Virginia politics is is on fire right now for all the wrong reasons, and yeah. he wasn't one of the dumpster fire folks. No, I mean, I guess I guess his relationship because he had the most baggage coming in, and and it turned out he was not a lot of drama. But I don't How think did, he's going to run. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I don't think he's going to run for president, but I think as a as a potential vice presidential candidate. But then Maybe. you know, you've got uh, other you've got other options I like don't know, uh, the safe. guy nobody's name remembers from Montana, for example. <laughs> Bullock, yeah. yeah. Uh, real quick, um, Klobuchar. Yeah, I want to talk to Arliss about this. Okay, I Klobuchar. Mm-hmm. So people around here like Amy. They do. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And um, she she talks to them in a way that they can hear, and there is value in that. Mm-hmm. I I'm torn, obviously about Klobuchar. She is a woman mm-hmm. and that um, warms my heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she has the skills to be at the top of the ticket. Yeah. Um, and she's paid her dues to be at the top of the ticket, so to speak, if, right. for whatever that's worth. Right. If among that's worth Democratic anything operatives, mm-hmm. Among Democratic operatives, there is value in the paying the due system. And I don't agree with it. I'm just saying there's value there. Yeah. I mean, that they think there's value there. Yeah. Um, I, I um, have a heart when everybody else in the field is saying, we have it within us to do all these amazing things. And she says, eh, yeah, but we really can't afford it. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that's how a, that's a no, we can't up against right. a yes, we can. Right. I don't think right. that I she has a lot to prove to me in an election to get my I mean, in a primary in order to get my vote. And I don't know. I want to talk about how about she's Klobuchar an asshole to her staff. If I could just say this about Klobuchar real quick. I think she could win the election, but I'm not sure I really want her to if it was, you know, if we had any other option. If that's, well, if it's Klobuchar or Trump, oh, Klobuchar. Oh, yeah, 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 no. What I mean is I think she could win the election, but I'm not really sure she's the kind of person that I want to be president of the United States. So I want to talk really specifically about how she's a woman and she's an asshole to her staff. Okay. Arliss. So, um, I don't uh, – you, that's – I don't know a whole lot about that because, remember, I've been out of the loop right. for six Okay. So she's got this reputation of 
um, being really, really abusive and toxic to her staff. Um, and a lot of people have been throwing this card around that's like, well, they don't say that about men. And when men do those kinds of things, you know, we just say, like, he's a tough leader. And when you ask her about it, she'll say things like, I have really high standards. But she also has a really, really high turnover rate um, in her staff. And people don't want to work for her. And as a feminist, I'm like, I don't want her held to a different standard than men. But I also think that looking at that speaks to her character, A, and B, if you can't keep good people around you, how effective are you going to be as a leader, whether you're a man or a woman? Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. So I got women yelling at me constantly about, no, no, that's just a double standard. And I'm like, mm, I don't oh, know if that it, it is. I don't know that it, it is. No, it, it, it is a double Elizabeth standard. I, I, just want, I just want more from, it is a double standard because you don't hear that about men. But right. I just want more from I I I um, want a woman who leads this country to be the best of us. Right. I mean, just to say real quick, as someone who has been in political spaces and stuff, I do hear that about male candidates. I've heard that about many male candidates in well, both inside the US and outside. I don't think we're talking about like inside politics, right? Like, of course, I yeah. talk shit about their boss. I'm talking about. I don't know the last time a man was interviewed by Rachel Maddow and was questioned about how he's an asshole to his staff. Yeah, that's that was true. a that's line a of point. questioning from Rachel Maddow to Amy. Yeah, Clark. she's she's definitely held to a different standard in public. For sure. But I also well, wonder uh, if she, that yeah. is if she is so toxic that that, that is why she level. actually yeah, has to have. Yeah, like it's Devil Wears Prada kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I, well, this and, is just a thing I wanted to bring up because I and I could say, you know, as a member of several communities, there is an unfortunate tendency for us to defend shitty members of our communities right. because oh, yeah. of the potential for a double standard. Oh, yeah. yep. And I think that we should stop doing that. We should attack the double standard and we can attack the double standard while also not thinking that toxic behavior is acceptable. We, right. We yeah. I think I know exactly what you're referring to. I mean, I imagine imagine being on Ted Cruz's staff. I mean, just right. put that in your brain for one second and, and um, <laughs> you never hear that about his staff. Well, that's so because uh, his staff ends a double up standard. You know, dad being that he's the Zodiac killer. So, you know, there's nobody left. Yeah. To or they end up on MSNBC in the <laughs> mornings uh, telling us how to run the uh, Democratic primary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There uh, you go. Anyway. Or you're just forced to buy so many cans of Chunky Soup. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, <laughs> Gillibrand. Yeah, Kirsten Gillibrand. What do we think? Um, She could be a rock star. Yeah. Um, I again, this is somebody that I need to see more of on a national stage because she's worked so hard um, in her constituency, so to speak. You know, she's right. worked so hard for the people who um, who she works for. Right. That's her, her job, which is great. Yes. <laughs> right. She, she, she's really good at it. Uh, so it. In that way, I need to see what she has to say to a national stage, but I'm pretty impressed with her. I like um, that the reason I know about her was because when she first joined the Senate, um, her big focus was on sexual assault in the military mm -hmm. um, and sexual assault on college campuses, and she was unwavering and unrelenting and unapologetic about that. Um, and I think in some ways helped get that conversation really moving at a national level way before Me Too happened. And I appreciate that about her. I also, I don't know if she has the charisma to, uh, I don't know. 
I don't. I'm. I'm on the fence. I. My trouble with her so, is she. I wonder how much of a political chameleon she is. In yeah. that she came from kind of the right on on LGBT issues, on a lot of economic stuff. Like she was not a a an ally. For yeah, but quite a while. okay, okay. I'm going to stop you because the phrase "was" in that sentence is the important word. It is one thing to. Um, talk differently to different audiences Mm -hmm. that's a political chameleon to me right it is you know on the same day to say one thing to um the vfw and a different thing at a college campus that's a you know that's a political chameleon to me evolving on an issue like obama evolved on gay marriage i think that's the mark of a human i mean i I don't just say this coming from obama evolved obama didn't want to admit that he was for lgbt rights because it was politically uh, unsalvageable at that moment i don't think he ever was against ever against it no but you know it doesn't really matter anyway go ahead if i could if i could just say coming from new york uh state city politics where where i worked for a little bit um maybe she's evolved a bit more since i lived in new york because i did leave there 2013 2014 um, but I was there for part of her evolution into this candidate that's more left wing. And she became that because she became a senator and, you know, vacated. She took the seat vacated by Hillary Clinton. Right. And the thing the thing about her and New York politics is uh, when it comes to the question of being a chameleon. Yeah, she did change her public facing positions. But for the issues that we cared about in New York City, we never really felt like we got the support from her that we needed on the issues that she claimed to have evolved about. Mm. And a lot of the feel, having been in New York at the time, was that she was kind of just giving us lip service. Um, Maybe she's evolved a bit more. Maybe that was part of a revolutionary process. But even as she started that, there was a lot of tension between her as senator and those of us who were progressives in New York City um, never really experiencing the support of our Democratic senator on issues we cared about. That's how it felt then. Perhaps it's evolved since. but And maybe it's just internal New York politics for being from uh, from the state and us being from the city. That, well, that, that's internal New York politics sure have changed quite a bit. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, just just from my experience in New York, like she's not she's not bad. I definitely think that she's no longer this this right wing blue dog that's going to occasionally vote with the Democratic Party. I don't think that's an accurate read on her anymore, but I yeah. still I, I still wonder how with us she is about those issues that are more progressive that she now claims to support. Um, and, you know, we've been we've been out of power in Congress for a while, so there really haven't been the options for her to demonstrate that support. That would be great. So it's not like she's had the opportunity to really prove it to us in, in more recent years. It, but at the same time, I'm still a bit skeptical of her. And, I, and I'd like to see more. But if she wants my support as our presidential candidate in, in the primary. I need to hear a lot more from her about what she's going to do about the things she claims to support. Now. Well, that's fair. I agree with that. I can live with that. Yeah. So uh, we're running out of time here. We wound up pretty much taking the whole 90 minutes, and that's fine. Uh, But, like, okay, do we – I don't think we need to talk about – oh, God, what's her name from Hawaii? Oh, yeah. Tulsi Gabbard. 
No. Oh, no. That's not it. <laughs> no, that's I think just... that that reaction right there is all we have to say about that. Great. Uh, Michael Bennett. Uh, I like him. I, I like him. I like him very much as our senator. Yeah. Hope he, he remains. He votes the right way on everything. He votes the right way. He's he's fine. He's boring. He doesn't well, really stand for much. Like, he doesn't have opinions that I'm aware of, <laughs> other than being a Democrat and voting D on, like, every thing that well, I wanted to vote is, for. He it's is just fired reliable. up about Republican hypocrisy on disaster relief. So right. Which that. is weird thing to be the only opinion I can tell that he has. But It's something. I don't know that he can run for president. <laughs> he's going to try. He's not. Like, he he's not Elvis. Let's just, no, we can God, just leave it at that. Opposite he's day. not even Elvis opposite. Costello. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No. He's so boring. Um, yeah, there's that. Inslee, I like. Um, he is a, he has been an unabashed liberal and unabashed environmentalist for years and yeah. years and years and years and years. Um, you know, he when everybody was dumping on Hillary, he would walk around with a Hillary cutout and say, hey, I like Hillary. F you. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. That makes me love him. He's gay, right? No, I don't think so. No. Is Inslee gay? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No. Oh, I thought he was. No. Um, but he's, so, no, but I like the, him. But Inslee's, Inslee's problem is uh, not unlike McAuliffe's problem. A fair amount of baggage. I, that's what I thought too, Arliss. I don't know what it is though, but I was asking Trev, I was like, doesn't he have some kind of thing that makes me not like him? Like there's I some forgot. baggage. Refresh my memory as to what his baggage is. It's not, it, it isn't that, um, maybe I'm using the wrong word. I worry about people who already have, people who have been in politics long enough that they have built up an opposition, a, you know, a threshold of opposition to them in general that is fairly high, like Bernie, like Terry McAuliffe, like Hillary Clinton, like Hillary Clinton. And I think that Inslee, he isn't, you know, he isn't in their league of that, but he's in the next tier down, I think. He also seems to be running a single issue campaign, which is climate change, which is obviously very important. But I don't think that mm-hmm. makes him stand out in this field at this point. No. Right. No. Yeah. OK. Especially since we have a lot of other candidates who, who do care about that. And also, as far as things that, that Democrats care about, that's really important. But it's like number five on the list. It shouldn't be. Still it super should be important. number one. I think it's going to be I, – I actually think climate is going to be – and things like Green New Deal are going to be mm-hmm. way at the top of the list. I, don't, I think that health care is – health care and economy still top that out, but Green New Deal is right underneath that. I yep. agree. So, so do yeah. – one, one last thing. There's somebody that I do wish would run for president. I said someone like a former general, and I was trying to think of the exact person. It's Tammy Duckworth. Who I'd like to see on the debate stage. I would too. I don't think she has designs. She's on not that. going I think to. She's no. super happy to represent Wisconsin and raise a family and do her thing where uh, she is. Illinois. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, you could confuse all those Midwest right? states. Flyovers. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> you elitist. Kid, Says I the kid. person from Colorado. I kid. No, I, I'm from I, Miami. So. At least, at yeah. least my state has like curves on the edges. <laughs> it's not in, you're in just a rectangle in the middle of the country i know when you try to buy those like you know here's a texas shaped thing yeah, and yeah. here's a florida <laughs> cool ours is just like why are you wearing a square like, oh, I don't... yeah it's hip to be square haven't you heard? yeah so who else who else we got like uh castro i like but he's not getting i like him too he's, he's he definitely like a veep candidate if a white yeah. guy wins yeah. uh yeah um 
We're forgetting like seven or eight <laughs> at least, right? Hickenlooper's going to run, yeah. you know, boring, boring white guy in the pocket of oil and gas. He's like a yeah, – Hickenlooper's interesting though. He's one of these guys that he knows he's boring. Yeah. So he does things like jump out of airplanes for right. campaign commercials and dress stupid and, and like – Wear like plaid socks. Yeah, and yeah. It's a look at me. He used to own a brewery, which he mm-hmm. likes to talk about a lot. Um and he's but nobody cares about John Hickenlooper. No, he's even so, in Colorado, he wouldn't so win Colorado. No, he would <laughs> not win Colorado. No. You know what? If Hickenlooper was really smart, he would run, you know, all of his advertising and all of his social media around how boring he is. If he was now, really smart, he would You're run right. against Cory Gardner in 2020 and be in the Senate. However. Since he's already been the governor, that's a little below him, I guess he feels like. So he's going to run for president. He yeah. would win against Cory Gardner. He will not even yeah. make it close Yeah, we in the have primaries. a lot of good candidates, though. We don't yeah, need Mike Hick. Johnston, I think, is my favorite. Yeah, we don't need Hick to beat. Uh, uh, okay, so on the list of uh, John Delaney, who, I mean, that's just not even worth our time and trouble. <laughs> Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg's not running. Uh, I mean, yeah. Who's the asshole Howard Schultz? Yeah, he's running Fuck as an independent. Cares. Maybe. I don't know. Is that hysteria finally over? Can we move on? Marianne Williamson? Oh, I know. Is oh, my funny? God. The fucking. Oh, God, my God. Yeah, I was who like, is she? who? Okay. She we is like a self help guru, Oprah style, <laughs> who writes books about self help. Awesome. Who is running Why not? for president. Why not? Is um, she sillier than. Uh, so there's Andrew no, Yang, no, and he's. She's the... kind of cool, but like oh. has absolutely no crossover. Like all of our moms will vote for her. All of them. <laughs> Everyone's mom will vote for Everybody her. Everybody who watches Oprah. Everyone's mom will vote for her, and that's it. Which might be enough. I don't know. So then there's uh, the, the other person that I've heard a lot about on on like Reddit lefty spaces is Andrew Yang, who is a single is he issue running. Yes, I thought uh, he, he was. He, I thought he was. No, he no has, he's like, declared. He's yeah, still he in. Oh. Who, who the fuck is he? So he has he's a single issue candidate that wants uh, universal basic income. And he's basically oh. trying oh, yeah, to yeah, be that guy. Yeah, yeah. the uh, the the like Silicon Valley noblesse oblige let's all us rich uh tech billionaires give poor people money guy yeah that's what i'm all about it's great i think that's a good idea he's not going to win anything so yeah okay no uh, all right well we are out of time <laughs> <laughs> so i'm sure we didn't even get to all the candidates but this has been a good robust talk a yeah. good primer for you guys out there <laughs> to get started maybe and listen to will and arliss when they come back on hopping mad around march 10th it's sometime. i'm hopping yeah, the week- Yes, I'm hoppingmad.com. The week of the 10th, we're on um, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, you know, all the places all the where, places you, where you find your podcast. That's right. Yeah. For all things economics and the UK and all the things, listen to Will and Arliss. Yeah. Listen to Will sing Anarchy in the UK. Well, not sing it, <laughs> but explain it. Yeah, um, that's, pretty, that's right. We yeah. have a lot, and We have a lot when we come back. So Good. All right. Um, Good. Uh, find us at, at Reverend Duo, Reverend Testimony at gmail.com. Stay active, stay tuned, stay involved. Stick around. Rachel and I are going to keep talking. Uh, but for you, Netroots folks, adios.
and welcome back to Reverend Testimony. Hope you enjoyed us uh, musing with Will and Arliss about all things Democratic primary. And uh, I think it was fun, um, especially because we're all progressives and uh, we have different views and sort of same views on some things. I thought it was an interesting take. Mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. Did anything happen this week? I don't think so. <laughs> I think it was a very quiet week. Do we want to go back and talk about the Cohen testimony? I of? think probably we should. All right. What do you want to say? <laughs> <laughs> I talked about the Meadows Twitter thing, which to me was just the most inexplicable. Well, did I talk about that on? No, I didn't no. talk about that I was on like, tape. What? Okay. No. <laughs> I talked about that just before we recorded. So, uh, I, I, look, if you didn't watch the testimony or just saw the highlights, it's fine. You got the gist of it, but the republic. The interesting thing about the Republicans is, like, now they obviously went and 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 tried to paint Michael Cohen as this liar. You can't believe anything he says, which of course is true. There's also a lot of chutzpah yeah. behind making, but hanging your hat on that claim. And what this is what my point was, which is okay. So if he's a lying liar who lies, right? And we want to come out and be like, Michael Cohen's a liar. He's a liar. He was, he pled guilty to lying to Congress. He's That's such true. a bad guy. That's true. He did. What did he lie about? He, he lied about covering up for fucking Trump. He lied <laughs> by t- saying that Donald Trump did nothing wrong. Yeah. So what are we saying is the inverse of that, right? If he's a lying liar who lied about Trump doing nothing wrong, mm-hmm. and we're all acknowledging that as Republicans, then what we're saying is... Everything that he's saying now is true. Right. The media couldn't right? connect those dots. I, I don't understand. If he's lying that Donald Trump did nothing wrong, then Donald Trump did these wrong things. Exactly. You can't have it both ways. You can't say you're a liar so you can't be trusted. <laughs> and then when you say the opposite, it must also not be true. It doesn't make any sense. Well, to they, me. they tried to walk that line by not going further. Like that was the point I was going to get to was that that's all they did. Nobody that I remember stood up and said, how dare you say these bad things about Trump? No. Because he's totally innocent and he's actually a great guy. (laughs) No. They were just like, you're a liar. And you're like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know I am. I lied about that because Donald Trump's actually really bad. But, you know. They didn't, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't engage him on any of the actual, like, substantive things he had to say. But I want to take a step back even further, right, to look at it from an even broader perspective and that. These Republicans are just tearing down Michael Cohen. Yeah, you're a terrible guy and a liar and a scumbag and a piece of crap, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, he was the Trump family lawyer and fixer and Trump org lawyer and RNC chair, mind you, but um, finance chair. But he was the Trump personal lawyer main guy for 10 plus years. So like in essence, what you're also saying is like, we can't Republicans are yelling, we can't trust this this guy was Trump's personal lawyer for ten years for Christ. How can we trust this <laughs> How guy? Can we trust him. He was Trump's lawyer for ten years. Do you hear what you're saying? <laughs> Why can't the media be like, just parse it out? No, just no. Parse it out. No, just no. let them say they exactly just, what they said and then you stop and you say Wait a minute. What are you saying? Wait a minute. If A equals B then, what are you saying? No, but what they say is, well, they have a point. They have a point. He <laughs> lied. Trump's awful is the next step. Just fu- finish the fucking sentence, right? They don't. That's the thing. This is what I make people do when I argue with them, my family in particular. Mm-hmm. You say this thing, and then... I say, what does that mean? What does that mean? It's finish like a, the sentence. 
Finish the sentence. Well, I did. Well, no, I'm... <laughs> it's like when you're arguing with my folks about, like, men are scary, which is very offensive to them. Mm-hmm. And I would say, like, you know, so you don't want your daughter or granddaughter to, like, <clears throat> be alone with strange men in a place, right? Well, well of course, of course. Not. Why? Finish the sentence. Why? Because men are fucking scary, <laughs> right? It's the same thing. Yeah. Trump is... Michael Cohen is a lying liar who lies and also untrustworthy because he was this mob lawyer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let and? me tell you what pissed me off was that Democrats fell into that trap a little bit. Yes. They, they, a lot of them are former prosecutors or former lawyers of some kind. So they're like, OK, well, this is our witness. Right. So we have to paint our witness in the best possible light. They tried to make Michael Cohen our boyfriend. Yes. Why? Like he's not so brave to be here and, and we really it's you've clearly turned your life around and you're trying to do the right thing. It's like, no, he's a lying scumbag piece of shit. He's a lying scumbag lawyer, piece of shit, fucking mob lawyer. And, and, you know, give the people watching a little bit of credit that they can have, you know, two different thoughts in their head. Like this guy is the piece of crap they're saying. Uh-huh. And now he's telling the truth. And he has information about the president that he's going to share with us that is true. This is the thing that's so fucking crazy to me, is this idea that, um, and that that's the thing that makes no sense with all these people who are former lawyers, is like, well, you can't put somebody on the stand who's committed a crime or who has lied. Mm-hmm. And it's like in the entire history of criminal justice, that's <laughs> most of the witnesses. Yes, that's every witness. Are criminals and people Do you know who, how many jailhouse snitches get people put away right, for life? Right, Come on. This is, the, that's how it works. So it's absolutely patently absurd to paint this as like some anomaly that some criminal's gonna testify. It's like, what? <laughs> this is how it works. <laughs> it's just how it works. Yeah. And people who contradict themselves. They say one thing on the record one time and one thing a different time and mm-hmm. that's how you impeach a witness is you yes. say you said this and then you said this. Which one is true, right? right. But they exactly. th- this idea that like, well, nothing he, can, he says can possibly be believed because he admitted he lied last time. is like, well, then he's telling the truth now, right? I mean, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's contradicting himself because he admitted he lied. Right. So now he's telling you what actually happened. It's craziness. Anyway, um, the media sucks, and there was all this, it's explosive. Um, and I guess some of the things, you know, we call Trump a racist, which is like, I don't know why the media paints that as explosive. Well, do we want to talk he about is a the, racist. Do we want to talk about the Meadows thing? I do. Okay. Yes. So, Rashida Tlaib. Yeah. So Mark Meadows. Well, um, wait, yeah, let's say what he did. Right. First. So my, Michael Cohen calls Trump a racist, which is obvious to everyone who's ever mm-hmm. yeah, his watched kinda, Trump do anything. It, um, it, let's talk about it in context, right? His opening statement was kind of like Trump is all these bad things. He's also a racist. Yeah. And then he's a racist. He's a con man. He's a liar. Mark Meadows knew that testimony was coming, so he went and got. This black woman who worked for Trump Org, was it? Uh, works in the communications department, yeah. Okay. And to just had stand her stand behind a, him. Like a prop. As a prop, a literal prop, and said, you've said all of these things about Donald Trump being a racist. Look, you've here's said, a black person. You, do you have, this is my favorite part, do you have any evidence that he's a racist? And you're like, uh, <laughs> and he didn't say like, I don't know. What does that mean? How about 10 like, things he said publicly on it, the record out loud? Is Michael Gove supposed to pull out a white hood and be like, oh yeah, he gave me the ceremonial clan hood to hold We don't for need like, any more evidence than shit he's already said out loud in the public on the, in the media. And that's, Tulay brought that up. Right. Or no, it wasn't Tulay, no. it was somebody else. Right? Brought that like, up later. we don't, yeah. what evidence more do you need than him being a racist 
as the president out mm-hmm. loud in public. So he brings this woman up, and he she doesn't speak, of course. She's literally just standing there to be <laughs> a, a black prop. person. Here's a black who works for Trump, mm-hmm. right? So how can he possibly be racist? She doesn't agree with you. No, she doesn't testify at any point. She doesn't agree. She yeah. works for him, for fuck's sake, right? Yeah. She's just standing there. Just standing there behind him, silent. Yeah. And Cohen doesn't know what to do with that, so he's just like, uh... Okay. <laughs> so in closing statements, Rashida Tlaib, who's a new member of Congress in the 2018 midterm sweep, a woman of color herself, calls, calls him, him a racist. She doesn't say you're a racist, but she says... This was a racist Using a black thing. woman as a prop is in and of itself racist. Yes. So Mark she's Meadows... She's absolutely right. She's absolutely right, and she's absolutely calling him a racist, and rightly so. Mark Meadows objects very strongly. Oh, my, oh my Stricken from the record. You can't say I'm a racist. My children, I have nephews who are. And then he goes, people of color. Now, <laughs> that's not how you describe people that you know who are black. You say, like, my black friend or she's black or, I mean, that's just, you don't say, my nephews are, well, they're people of color. <laughs> That's not how you talk about people. Yeah, he had to <laughs> really you, uh, soft pedal that. No, people. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Elijah Cummings, I, I didn't like this at all, comes back and says, you know, I'm a person who sometimes has said things, but, I, you know, Mark Meadows is one of my very best friends. Mark Meadows is like, You're, same here. And he's like, so you basically walk it back. So she's like, look, it's not what I said. Mm-hmm. I didn't call you a racist. I said what was done with that black woman was racist. Um, I didn't. I'm sorry if you were offended by that. But and she sort of tries to walk it back and yeah, you know, doesn't do a very good job. But I don't blame her because she shouldn't have fucking had to. No. She shouldn't have had to. Yeah, she once the racist, chair says to do it, then a racist. Yeah. And I guess if it's Elijah Cummings telling you to stop calling people a racist, you do it. But yeah. it was not. for sake of keeping the whole thing from going off the rails. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's that, and then uh, it turns out. That they wind rewind back to 2012, and during Mark Meadows' uh, mm-hmm. house campaign... Oh, turns out he's a racist? It turns out he's totally a fucking racist. <laughs> and I, I had vaguely remembered this, but like, there's so many Republican racists that said horrible racist things, it's it all blends together. So they have Meadows on tape saying, we're going to send that Obama back to Kenya or wherever the hell he came from. Right. Uh, that's a super, super racist thing to say, yep. obviously. So turns he is out a racist. the racist is a racist. Yes. Okay. I mean, of course he is. She wasn't saying he was a racist for doing something that wasn't racist. Yeah. And she should have been allowed to call him a racist, and nobody should have tried to silence her on that, not even Elijah Cummings. I agree. And I wish she hadn't walked it back, but I guess for the sake of comedy, they they let it, C-O-M-I-T-Y. Right. They let it go. I mean, Uh, if Elijah Cummings told me not to call somebody a racist. Well, Elijah Cummings had to get to his final statement and wrap things up without it being a shit show. I understand why he did. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, and then and then they so to somebody's credit because nobody wanted to touch it. But a few reporters went to Meadows and said, you know, we dug up this thing from 2012. What do you have to say about that? Well, it was a different time, and I was just trying to get elected. It was a different time six years ago. Yeah, and I was just trying to get elected. Which, if that makes it okay, right? Uh, so he's a racist. Yeah, of course he is. He's a racist piece of crap, and everybody should bring it up anytime he tries to play the "How dare you call me a racist" card. Also, white people, let me just say, if any if any person calls you a racist, any person of color, of any color, calls you a racist, you should shut your mouth 
go back to what you said that you they they called you a racist about really think about it and then maybe listen to why they think that was racist yeah. or and then at that point if you still disagree then whatever but listen yeah actually don't get defensive yeah yeah. I know it's super easy to get defensive. I've been there myself. Yeah. Being accused of this or that and just being like, oh. No, well, I can't be. I'm not that way. Blah. Yeah. And it's fine. And it's possible, right? All of us fuck up. And you say something that didn't even occur to you that someone could take it that way. Because you live in a world racist. where that doesn't affect you. So right. you don't understand, you know, the sort of power of your words. If someone calls it out, right, and says that was really sexist or that was really racist or that was really, you know, um, homophobic or ableist mm-hmm. or whatever... Um, it's true and you don't get to decide too what is or isn't because you know what if that person is saying it to you they're giving you an opportunity to face it and walk it back or or to acknowledge it if, if they're, they're just giving like you a learning opportunity yeah it, it, if, if not they'd either just punch you in the face or they would just say nothing tune you out and be mm-hmm. like okay you're dead to me right but if somebody is like hey, hey what you just said is that racist. was really problematic in whatever way right that's an opportunity for you to be like oh shit really I, to ha- at why? least examine How? it. Holy shit. I didn't. Ugh. And here's the thing. When now I'm I'm white. Right. So I can't speak to issues of race in this specific way, but I can speak to issues of sexism. Um, when I tell you something is sexist or something you did was sexist, you don't get to come back to me and say, no, it isn't. Right. As a man, it's not up to you. It doesn't. It's not up to you whether or not it's sexist. It, it is if I say it is, right? Because I'm a woman and I would know. Right. Same thing with racism. That's not no no. That's not racist. It's just just never say that out loud. <laughs> just never say it out loud. If a black person tells you something is racist, it is <laughs> like pretty much across the board, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, um, of course he's a racist. They all are. Uh, basically, all white people are. Um, and that's something we have to contend with. Yep. The other uh, thing we talked we touched on with Arliss and Will was AOC's um, uh, performance, which was incredible. Um, I was very impressed. Yeah. Yeah, she was amazing. Um, and it, and I'm impressed because it was kind of not what people were expecting. They were yes. expecting her to throw bombs. Yes. And she didn't. She's this firebrand, and she's gonna like make a speech, and she didn't. No. She asked four questions. She opened up. All kinds of avenues yes. of for future inquiry and intrigue. Yes. She got exactly the information that she needed, um, that the committee needed. Um, and she did so in a very, like, no bullshit way that I really appreciated and respected. And I, I respect Kegro and Arliss's opinion that that was planted um, in some way by the committee. I think uh, that's, that's true. That's what's planted is maybe planned out a little bit. Right. I think... It was important for her brand, if you want to be this cynical, um, to have her ask really substantive questions and not do the firebrand thing because she is a substantive person. Yes. Um, it's, you know, when she does these sort of like flame wars with trolls on Twitter, it can seem like that's all she's good for. Um, but if you pay any attention to her, she's really smart and she mm-hmm. has really... Uh, wide breadth of policy knowledge and ideas and things that are important and she has the knowledge to back them up and I think it was important to sort of cast her in that light um, during this hearing so that she wasn't just like a well let me put it this way I like was Twitter shit at her I remember I texted you I was very frustrated with the first half of the yeah. questioning by Dems I mean they didn't matter because Cohen was dropping so many nuclear bombs like you know it, it almost didn't matter right that the Dems were kind of being inept 
but like there was so much grandstanding just so much like you know our colleagues across the aisle are doing this and we as democrats are doing this important thing and it's like yeah we get it we get it that's why we're here right Cut the shit. Just do the important thing and stop right. talking about doing it. Or they're like, and Michael Cohen, you're so brave by being here and your family and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. It's like, we already stop. talked. Stop. Yeah, no, but there was so much of that. But what that does is like bolster their argument. Well, it makes When we it, counter it, it yeah. makes it seem legitimate. It makes it seem like this is a whole partisan you know. When we when they say he's a liar and then we spend our time being like, he's not a liar. He's turned a new leaf. <laughs> Stop. Just do what she did. Okay, you call him a liar and then I'm going to ask him substantive questions about what the fuck he knows about Donald Trump. Right. right. Call him a liar all you want. That's something you guys can debate amongst yourselves. I'm going to ask him questions that he knows the answers to. Right. And I'm going to get names and dates mm-hmm. and money information out of him. That's the whole point of him being here. Yes. It's not for me to fight with Republicans about whether or not he's a liar. He is. Yeah. And right now... We're going to assume he's telling the truth because he's under oath. Right. So tell me the fucking information. Yeah. And if not, haul his ass back in for perjury, which probably... But he brought in do. documentation. Yes. That was the other key thing that nobody's talking about. Right. Right? So he understood. Um, he hired Lanny Davis, which the Republicans couldn't stop talking about, <laughs> which <laughs> is the lawyer man. that prepared Clinton for the Benghazi hearings. And uh, he... Well, and but he goes back to, I think, <clears throat> Whitewater even with that. Sure. But I mean... That's what they're most upset about, right? Um, <laughs> and so he was well prepared and he yeah. knew, of course, that they were going to call him a liar and they were going to not believe him. And so what Lanny Davis and, and his legal team did was say, OK, how do we prove this? Right. How do we prove this beyond what you're saying? And so he brought in things like copies of checks that Donald Trump wrote to him and signed. Yeah, the check was a big thing. Um, that prove that Donald Trump is lying about not knowing anything about things that mm-hmm. prove that that this wasn't uh, something that was done, you know, without his knowledge. This was not something that um, the the, or- the Trump organization paid for. Like, it's a personal check from Donald Trump's personal bank account with his signature on it to Michael Cohen. Which is unusual. After he was president. Yeah. In repayment for payments to porn stars to shut them up before the election so he would win. Yes. Like, that's... Here's a check, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not just some lying mob lawyer... It's a check, right? So he brought in a lot of that kind of stuff, which I thought was really smart. And there's a reason you hire Lanny Davis for these things. There's a reason Clinton was so well prepared for the Benghazi hearings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was one of the things that I thought was the most compelling. Yeah. Because you can't argue with that. Well, what they, another thing Republicans try to do is they try to make this shadow conspiracy. They're like, well, did you consult with the members yeah. of this committee? Right. And he's like, yeah. Yep. He's like, what do you mean consult? And they're like, did you have any communication with the chairman or Democrats on the committee? He's like, no, I just showed up today. No, we decided no, to have a hearing. I had no idea. And I just decided to come down to Capitol Hill today. And it looks like there's a hearing. It's about me. Weird. Of course I fucking talked to them. But they, yeah. What the fuck do you think? How do you think I'm ending this chair right now? Yeah, I had definitely conversations with the chairman of the committee that was subpoenaing me. And then they're like, and who's paying for your legal representation? He's like, well, no I'm one. not. No one. No, you mean no one is? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe somebody well, is, I but it's not me. I find that very hard to believe. Okay. okay. You think Lady Davis doesn't want to do this for free? I I think he does. Get his name all over the world? Again? Yeah. yeah. As the best person for this possible ever? Like, But who cares? Like, where were you? You've never were, met a lawyer. Were, were I promise you, you they do this shit for free. Were you expecting Cohen to say Saul Alinsky and George Soros? Like, what? George where Soros were you going? George Soros paid me, and then... <laughs> 
Saul Alinsky and I gave each other blowjobs while we talked about how much we love Hillary Clinton and <laughs> and then they told me what to say and now I'm making things up. Like, what do you want? It was ridiculous. Yeah, that's I don't know where they were going with that. And then with the check, they were trying <laughs> for five minutes to be like, how do we well, weren't you how his do we believe lawyer? Why wouldn't he pay you? He's was like, a line of questioning. Well, like, well, that wasn't well, just your the check for your retainer. He's like, no. Retainer for what? <laughs> retainer for what? Right? Yeah. Nobody asked that, but like, yeah, no. And he's like, no, this is the reimbursement for the thing. How do we know that? Because I'm showing you the fucking check. Well, it's a check. What, what else is it for? Like, and this is the fun thing about law is that if it was for a legal engagement, there would mm-hmm. need to be an engagement letter, which is actually a fun name for like a contract for legal services. Mm-hmm. We call it an engagement letter. And in it, it outlines exactly what the payment, like what the legal services will be around. What like a broad scope of those and then like kind of specifics and then like here's the amount, here's the date it needs to be paid. It's part of the contract when you retain a lawyer. Yeah. So it's not that. Or there's there would be an engagement letter of some kind, although maybe not because, you know, mob lawyers. Um, <laughs> but like <clears throat> if it's not Just that, then can you please right? describe the substantive legal work that you did for Donald Trump for $35,000? Yeah. How much you charge an hour? How many hours was that and what did you do? No, it's not. It's reimbursement <laughs> from payments to porn stars to affect an election. Um, but to be fair, being that he was kind of a mob lawyer, it probably, you know, maybe it wasn't his. But <laughs> it wasn't all in the up and up like you're describing in terms of right. the accounting practices. Right. Michael Cohen and the Trump family. So, right. But no, that's, that's a good point. But my favorite part was probably in the uh, – in. Uh, at some point, Cohen stopped for a potty break. <laughs> that was a fun part. He asked. Yeah. And Elijah Cummings misheard him and was like, no. And then he was like, oh, OK. And then somebody was like, no, no, he's dude, chairman, like- he's got a pee. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you ask for a, a break? Oh, yeah. No, of course. Yeah, yeah it's fine. <laughs> it's like, what no, no, he no. Said? He thought I think he thought it was one of the uh, Republican people on the committee asking for a break. And he's like, no, we're not taking a fucking break. Oh. And then he, oh, no, no, it's oh, your witness. Oh, witness needs to pee? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. we can do that for sure. But it wound up being like a longer break than that. But in any it event. It always is. That's um, why they don't do them. Right. It, it takes a long time to shuffle hundreds of people out of a room. Yep. And cameras and everything else. But anyway, so they came back. And then and then Mark Meadows like, I have some things to put on the record. And Elijah Cummings like, okay. And he's in... And, Mark Meadows starts waving these pieces of paper around. I'm right. Like, I'm like, oh, he's got documents, documents, receipts. What do we got? He's like, Twitter. So and so on Twitter just tweeted this. I I know I've known Michael Cohen for years, and he's a liar. And I want this entered into the record. And and, and it's like, <laughs> what? And Elijah Cummings is like, okay, sure. So ordered. Sure. And then he's like, I've got another tweet. I got another tweet. And, and it's like, and who, like the, what, what? What? So during the break, who are these people? What? What? So during the break, like uh, he was just scrolling through Twitter. No, Meadow is for his aides were or somebody, but I don't even think he could log on Twitter. But Me- or, you know, Meadows is is like, geez, we're getting our ass kicked. Well, we need something. It's like, well, people are saying some shit on Twitter. Print it out. Fine. Get it. We'll put it in the record. They're saying he's a liar. He is a liar. We'll put it in the record. People on Twitter think he's a liar. No, I want it put in the record that people on Twitter who are anonymous to me think he's a liar too yeah now i i don't i think he was saying names we're supposed to recognize Mm. like um 
but I don't know. Maybe it was like Maga Marge eight six three nine four two seven three. Says Michael Cohen's a liar. Just put that in the record. Somebody liar. said it on Twitter. Somebody I want it in the record. Said on Twitter, but Chairman, I want this in the on the record that Maga Marge thinks he's a liar too. She's on our side. Put bad, it in the record. He's a bad guy. He's bad. Marge says he's bad. Put it in the record. All right. Cummings like, yeah, okay, sure. No, Cummings, yeah, he's just like, I mean, okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, so noted. Noted. <laughs> and then uh, the for other, Maga Marge, though. Yeah. She's on the record now. The other one was like, I, I, I know, I knew Michael Cohen, and yeah, no, he totally wanted to get a job in the White House and was mad that he didn't, and and like, okay, An which, anonymous source. This is a congressional which, by the way, hearing. You, like, if that person exists, why did you not call them as a witness? Because you could just print a tweet out and enter it into the record. <laughs> Cummings is smart, right? He's not going to fight procedural shit. No. Like, sure. He didn't oh. fight anything. No. They did all <clears throat> the ridiculous shit because nope. it makes them look like idiots. But like, if you, I'm not going to fight with you procedurally. You look like an asshole, so I'm going to let you look like an asshole and put it on the record. Sure. But that, that was another thing they tried to do is be like, this is all sour grapes because you wanted a job in the White House and you mm-hmm. didn't get it, which they might be actually right about. I could believe that. Oh, well, hold on. But that doesn't they, mean he's hold lying. Hold on. no los dos? Yes. Um, no, exactly. Michael exactly. Cohen could have wanted a job in the White House and not gotten I'm it. I'm sure I believe that's, that's true. true. He was very defensive about it. He when thought he was going to be chief of staff. Yeah. That can be true, and, <laughs> and he knows all of so. the things he said about Donald Trump can also be true. Especially when he has receipts. Porque no los dos. Exactly. Why not the two, right? Exactly. Why not both? It doesn't affect his knowledge of Trump being a criminal. It just means he's maybe more likely to tell you about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They, they didn't do anything to make us think in any way, way shape, or form that what anything Cohen was saying was not true. <laughs> no, they didn't even try. <coughs> there was really, from what I watched, there was really no trying to impeach him on the facts. There was no, well, this can't be true because I have this evidence or this no. is not true because of other pers- person's statements or anything else. It was just, He's you a liar lied and a about this guy. and you lied about this and you did this crime and you did that crime and you lied about this and you're going to jail and you're terrible. And then there was like, uh, okay. And then we get to the Democrats and they're like, you're very noble and you're yeah. going to be better and I hope your family's okay. And also, what about this? But like half the time the Democrats spent was talking about like trying to like... Humanize him as the... Yeah. yeah why? He's not our guy. No. He's going to jail for a reason. Yes. He... He's only testifying because he has information about bad things he did with the bad president. Let's not try to make him our guy. Yeah. We're interrogating him because he knows things about bad things that he did with the president. That doesn't make him our guy. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. But they don't listen to me, JP. No, they don't. They I'm don't. not on their staff yet. Yeah. Unfortunate, but... So there was that, um, and and what's important to note is Michael Cohen has been, he's still on the Hill. He's coming, he he testified behind closed doors yesterday. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be back there next week. Yep. So they, he's got even more information to he give. He does. Him. Yeah, he does. And some of the, so he's been in um, closed <clears throat> hearings for the last, for I guess. Last couple of days. Yeah, last yeah. couple of days. So we won't know exactly what. That is well until the committee releases a transcript or the highlights or whatever. Uh, Swalwell, I want to say, you know, one of these guys that swings his 
a former prosecutor mm. dick around, uh, was on Maddo. I think last night saying, oh, we got some good stuff going. Don't you worry. So, yeah, we'll see what that amounts to. Um, any event. Uh, also, uh, Trump met with his boyfriend, Kim Jong-un, mm. in Vietnam. He did. And came away with Bupkis. Yep. And, yeah, uh, that whole thing just pisses me off to no end. And... Um, you know, the reason he's doing this, and, and this was so stupid when it happened, what was it, a year ago? When he went there and they, you know, they made oh, yeah. out and groped each mm-hmm. other and yeah. said, we're going to... Like summit or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the media slobbered all over him for it and said what a, what a great statesman he was for doing literally nothing. For getting a photo op. Except like <clears throat> raising the profile of, of a dictator yes, um, to the national or international stage as a legitimate uh, world leader. Mm-hmm. That's what he did, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but the media just loved him for it. And I said, isn't he great? And maybe he should, maybe he should get the Nobel Prize. And, you know, you got to admit whether you're pro-Trump or anti-Trump, this is a wonderful thing that when well, we Why? have this diplomacy with North Korea. Why? No. Blah, 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 blah. And they went on and on and on and on and on. And his favorability actually did go up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. He he gained like a solid five or six points and it lasted a few weeks and he got a bump. Now he remembers that bump. That's that's one thing he will always remember is anytime people like him. Yes. And why? Or his version of why. So the last few months he has sent Pompeo to try (laughs) to lay the groundwork for another summit, try to get something more substantive done. Of course, Pompeo didn't get anywhere, but... This shit's going to happen, so we got to... And Pompeo lied and said, no, we're making good progress, and something's going to happen, and it's going to be great. All lies, of course. Mm-hmm. And Pompeo's just as much a liar as the rest of them. Yep. And Trump goes there and sits down, and I don't know what he offered, but he basically said, you need to do this, this, and that, and Kim said no, and then that was it. Yay! And he went home and empty-handed on the heels of the Cohen testimony, and, and it's like... He's like, where's my bump for meeting with that little Asian dude? <laughs> right. Now, that it is kind of interesting in a way, right? Because <laughs> I, I, I'll put it this way. A lot of people are like, well, yeah, he came away with nothing and it was a waste of time, but we're relieved. We thought he was going to give up the farm. And I'm sure he tried to. That's the point people aren't understanding. I'm sure he got in a room with Kim and Kim said, you're going to give me this, 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 that, and the other thing. And Trump said, okay. And then Bolton and Pompeo probably had to step in and say, no, no, you're not going to do that. No, we're not doing that. Um, now we'll never know that or we'll know once it leaks out next week. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I'm quite sure Trump was willing to give Kim whatever he wanted for a win. Yeah. Or, you know, what or had perceived win because there was some kind of deal made or something. Right. Even though it was not in our best interest. And they explained to him like, that's not going to go well for your polling. If you do that. Sure. Sure. That's the only way you can get to him. I don't think you can say this is bad for the American interest. No, I no, think you of have to say not. this is going to look really bad. Or they you're going to uh, look weak if you do that. Right. Right. Exactly. That's how you deal with him. There's no. There's no arguing about the best interests of the country or the security of the country or the security of certainly other countries. Um, it's all about what your poll numbers are going to look bad, sir. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, like your best bet is just to leave, and then you look strong because you didn't give in. Okay, I'll do. That. Oh, okay. But no, it's good. I met with him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's great. You did great. I'll get still get a bump for that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so, 
That's what happened. There was a there. funny tweet I saw that said, uh, "In the seventies, Trump was hiding from America in Vietnam, or hiding from Vietnam in America, and today he's hiding from America in, in Vietnam. Vietnam." Yeah, yeah, that's, like, yeah, that's a good point. All right. So anyway, um, well, let's talk about North Korea again for a second, right? Because he also said something that actually even pissed some of his sycophants off, at least for a second. And then, you know, they'll get over it is that uh, they asked him about Otto Warmbier. And if you don't remember right. Otto Warmbier, mm, this was the, the kid. He was this uh, another one of these religious types who wants to go to North Korea to, I don't know, do what. And he was <clears throat> arrested ostensibly tortured in some way. They're not sh- exactly sure what happened to him. Some people think he tried to hang himself, which seems odd if he's one of these super Christians. That's not really their M.O. Um, you know, they don't believe in that. But, but he was arrested, held, t- and tortured in a North Korean prison, and yes. then he died as a result of that torture. Well, they're not sure about that. They, they think mm-hmm. he may have died as a result of a botched suicide attempt, cause, and that's what caused the, the brainstem shrinkage and that the, the North Koreans just tried to cover it up and like, oh shit, what do we do? We, we will never know right. exactly what happened. But he but died as a result of being of in custody. Being in custody That's right. in North Korea. Something bad happened to him and he never should have been in custody. He should have been just kicked out, if anything, right? Yeah. Just go home. But that's not how they operate over there. So... So was, once it was clear that he was dying, let's be clear about this. Once, once it was clear that he was dying, they, they released him, him to... Uh, U.S. custody, and it just and so then happened. And Trump had just in U.S. custody. It just so happened Trump had just been inaugurated. <clears throat> yeah, like it was couple, right around that time. Yeah, yeah. Like it was coincidence, pretty much. And uh, but that's absolutely like an atrocity that North Korea committed against Americans. Oh, oh, and it was the right wing and Trump and Fox News that was most up in arms about. Yeah, it. Yeah, because it was during Obama's tenure that this young man was arrested. That's right, mm-hmm. and and. He was a, a white Christian, yes. you know, missionary type yes. from the Midwest somewhere, yep. and they were losing their mind. And, and you know, this, we should almost go to war over this. And you know, Kim Jong Un is a he's a terrorist. And as soon and, as Trump's in office and the kid dies, he's in U.S. custody and he dies because they gave him back to us basically in a coma. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, well, Trump's in office now, so it's fine. Well, it's, Trump, well, Trump was, will never know. Well, right? Trump was <laughs> rattling the saber then. He's like, oh, we we might go to war, little rocket man, and blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's the summit, and then he gets asked about it uh, a couple days ago when the summit's over and he's leaving, like, what about Otto Warmbier? And he's like, oh, no, no, I talked to Kim, and he he didn't know anything about it, he had nothing to do with it, and I believe him, and it's fine, and, you know, it's tragic. And I love his family, and I love him, and it's very tragic. But the point was, he's like, no, Kim said he had nothing to do with it, and I'm sure that's the case. Mm -hmm. And, like, people are like, what the fuck? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't watch Fox News, but even supposedly, like, the Fox News bunch was like, no, 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 no. Hold on. No, what? that is not cool. It, it's this thing, though. Well, he said he didn't do it, so I'm sure he didn't. Yeah, he loves when dictators tell him it's fine. He'd be a terrible prosecutor. Oh, my God. Or a great one, from my perspective. <laughs> right? <laughs> said he didn't do it, he must not have done it. But he actually had to walk it back a little bit. He walked it back a little bit, I think, this morning or last night. He was like, well, I was misunderstood. You know, what? I, Otto Warburg's great. It's a, it's really bad what happened. But, he, you know, he still didn't go all the way and, and say, like, you know, this is the fault of the Kim regime. He is such brutality. a weak man. He is. He just has well, no capacity to make a strong statement against people that he perceives to 
be useful to him and or like him. Well, we predicted all this, right? Yeah. Way back when, when the, when the summit was, the first summit was getting together, we're like, this is what Kim is going to do. He's figured this guy out. Well, they he, had those, the, the, what was it, Radio Lab or something, where they were talking to people who were literally, they have entire teams of people who watch everything he says and then they get together psychoanalyze and they're like psychoanalyze it, it, it figure to him figure out. him out. And then he just goes over there and he's like, yo, and here it's I not, am. It's not, hard, it's not hard to do. <laughs> no, but it's not like there. we're not on equal footing here. No. No, but we predicted. We said, okay, what Kim is going to do, he's going to kiss his ass. He's going to write him flowery love letters. And he's going to have him in the palm of his hand. And that mm-hmm. is exactly what happened. That's where we are. That, that is exactly where we are. Now, here's the problem. North Korea being North Korea, now that this has fallen apart and there's really no impetus for them to... I mean, they have the bilateral talks with South Korea. I don't know what happens with that. I could very easily next week then go right back to the saber rattling and threatening. Uh, and, you know, and I think Trump has said we've now permanently suspended the war games that we do with with South Korea for preparation in, in case there's a, a North Korean attack. But I could easily see Kim going back to saber rattling next week and us being right where we were before, if not in a worse position. Well, so. and I don't know anything about Kim personally, but I know that the people he's surrounded by are really the people that are sort of in control and that they are smarter and better than the people that are around Trump. Sort of going back to that Klobuchar argument, right? Like, how effective are you as a leader if the people around you are awful, right? Like, they, uh, they you can't be good. So I think that they, even if Kim was as subjectable to flattery as Trump is. No, no, Kim is not. Right. That even if he were, the regime is not. And so let's go have this big thing and the U.S. government is saying that we are legitimate and then we do whatever we want. Sort right? of. I we'll mean, kiss Kim- his ass and then in a week we're going to do whatever the fuck we want because we just were legitimized yet again by the U.S. government. Um, and we didn't make any promises, so we can do the fuck we want. Like, it, there's no win for us to do this as a country. There's no win for us to go do what he just did. Well, I would say Kim still has control at the top, and you're right. He's 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 all the horrible things Trump is, but he's much more pragmatic. Um, and you know, you you can't really cross Kim, or you wind up getting blown apart by anti-aircraft guns. So and in that way, they're similar. If Trump could do that, he would. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you're right. But I think that the regime around him is stronger in a way because it's a literal dictatorship. Like there is no democracy. And so they have total control over everything. Mm-hmm. And so you can have someone blown to smithereens for saying something that you find offensive. Or fall asleep during a speech. For or... sure. But also you... There's a greater sense of like, like his ego matters, but also like he's his ego is the country because it's yes. a dictatorship, right? Yes, exactly. And so the interests of the country, as far as his ego goes, are sort of in line in you know, a way that they, is not similar to ours. He he rules just like his father and his grandfather. Basically, it's it's the same thing. It's all the same crap. And um, you know, I mean, but there's nothing that. There was no, there's no good that can come out of this, is my point. Right. Right. There's nothing good that comes from Trump just going over and, like, they suck each other's dicks for five minutes well, and then it, they leave. It, there's just nothing productive that can come out of that. 
Well, this belief that North Korea was going to unilaterally just disarm and get rid of their nuclear program. Why would, why they, would they do why that? Why would they do that? Like their whole thing is for them to be taking, taken legitimately and seriously as a world power. Now, they're an agrarian society with no upward mobility and very little industry. So besides the... Their people are literally starving to yeah, death. Besides the nuclear program, there is nothing. So no, they're not going to give that up. There's no industry because there is no society, essentially. Like there's no economic structure. I'm not for capitalism, but I'm certainly not for this sort of dictatorial communism either, where there's literally no industry because... There is no economy. The economy is the government and the military. Yes. And everyone else is literally starving to death. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and you have Trump saying, oh, well, they could be like, you know, they could be a tourist resort. (laughs) Like, you're out of your mind, dude. You're out of your mind. Yes, the tourist resort that Otto Wambier enjoyed. (laughs) Right. Right, but, you know, that's what he was trying to sell. And, uh, you know... And that's where we are. We're back to square zero. And so all that, you know, all that fluff and all the heaping all the praise for his uh, incredible statesman skills with with talking with North Korea. It's it's it was all a bunch of crap and we knew it and the media got suckered into it. And, you know, now we're back to nothing. What else we got? Um, well, just turn to a real downer. Um, NBC News and other sources have confirmed that thousands of migrant children in detention centers um, have been sexually assaulted mm-hmm. by guards. Yep. That's the next big hearing I'm looking forward to, hauling Nielsen and others before Congress to talk about what the hell is going on there. And that is not going to be pretty. Beyond that, let's just step back and say thousands of migrant children have been sexually assaulted by guards. Mm-hmm. Let's just sit with that for a second. Because, yeah, Nielsen should pay and whatever should pay. Thousands of children have been sexually assaulted while in detention by ICE. That's happening in this country. Yeah. That's happening to these children. These actual human beings who are actual children who exist and who are separated from their families, who came here for refuge and instead were separated from their families, locked in cages, and sexually assaulted by Americans working for the U.S. government. That's what's happening. And why that is not the biggest story on the news baffles me. The American government is sexually assaulting children and we're like, hmm, they're brown? They're not citizen? I don't understand don't why English. no one cares. Why this is not the biggest thing happening. I don't get it. They don't speak English. They can't tell the news their story. They, they're brown. They're, they're probably not going to be citizens because Trump will kick them. I don't understand. Thousands of children, right? So it's all across border states and wherever these detention centers are. We have one in Aurora, so mm-hmm. we're in Colorado. We're not even close to being a border state. We have an ICE detention center in Aurora. 
How many kids got sexually assaulted up there? And by whom? Yeah. And where's the oversight? Where is the justice for these kids? Are they ever going to find their parents? Is this, this is literally a genocide? They're going to be adopted out and fostered into white homes, never to see their families again, and traumatized by being sexually assaulted by U.S. government workers. And we're like, well, you know. No, not well, you know. What the fuck are we doing? That matters. This is one of the most shameful episodes and scandals of this administration. I mean, there's going to be a lot that's going to be talked about and that is being talked about, you know, in terms of of collusion and nepotism and and all the other gross things that are happening. But the the border policy with children is going to be one of the dark spots on on the history of this country, frankly. I mean, I think it's going to be when we really absorb all the facts – and it, it, it gets into the public consciousness. It's going to be up there with Japanese internment. Yes. And I want you to think for Tuskegee. listeners who have kids. If you have a kid, I want you to imagine that you traveled to... This is just... Your life's pretty good comparatively. But let's just imagine that you traveled to Canada because you wanted to go to a Leafs game. And when you got there, you were at the border and the border separated you from your kid, which would be really, really traumatizing. And then your kid was sent to a detention center with a bunch of basically like chain link fences and slept on a cement floor. And then when you tried to go get your kid, because what the fuck was that about? You can just get to take my kid because I was just going to see a Leafs game, right? Mm -hmm. You find out that they don't actually know where your kid is. They don't actually know. And you'll probably never see your kid again. And by the way, most of the kids that were taken away like that got raped by guards at those places. Mm. Tell me how mad you'd be if you were that person. And tell me that you think that these mothers and fathers aren't just as fucking mad as you would be. So maybe get really mad. Just as mad as if that was your fucking kid. If, like you say, this is all about the children and you care so much about the children and that's all about the children, right? Because that's all we do. This is literally about children, though. Yeah. I care about these fucking kids. I care about them after they come out of the fucking womb. Regardless of what country they were born in. They came here for help and now they will never see their parents again and they're being raped by U.S. government officials. That is not a place that I want to be in. That is not acceptable. It's not okay. So, yes, Nielsen is going to get hauled out in front of Congress, and they better ask the right questions, and they better have the facts ready, and we better get something moving on this. And, yeah, I mean, hearings are hearings, but to Give bring shit this... about that. I want to know... Who these kids are, who they belong to, where they need to go. And after that, after they've been reunited with their families, I want the fucking lot of them in prison. All of them. But that... Everyone. That is how we get things moving, is to get hearings on Capitol Hill. No, what we do then is then we just dismiss Nielsen and we get somebody else in and we're like, we still don't know. And then that's like, well, at least somebody got fired. Well, Fuck that. that. Fuck no, that. No, no. Hold on, Rachel. Because when, when you have hearings and you get this into the public record and you expose this, 
more so than it has been already, and you get everybody talking about it, that is when it puts pressure on the rest of Congress, not just the Democrats, to pass legislation and get something done. It, it is a necessary requirement. It, it shines the light on what the hell is going on. I agree. But what I don't want is this sort of feckless, we'll have a hearing, and they'll be like, well, I don't really know, and I don't really know, and I don't really know, and then like they'll resign, and then to put some other garbage person in there. It doesn't solve the problem of where the fuck, who, where are these kids and who are their parents and where do they belong and who the fuck is working in these detention centers and where's the oversight on that? Mm-hmm. Like, those are the hearings I want. I don't want the director or the secretary or whatever to come and say, I don't know anything. I don't give a shit. I want you to call the guards. I want you to call the wardens. I want you to call the people on the ground who know something. Who detained this person? Mm-hmm. What's your name? Where did you find this person? Why did you detain them? Where did you get them from? Did you write it down? Why not? You're in jail. And right? There, there Put are, them all in fucking jail. There are some excellent reporters who have been on top of this from the beginning. I think of Jacob Soberoff and some others, but not enough attention has been paid to this. You're absolutely right. Goddamn right. Imagine if it was your kid. Yeah. They're no less human than we are. They're no less worthy of dignity and autonomy and being with their parents than if it was my niece. Mm-hmm. Just because she's white doesn't make her more valuable. It doesn't. So you're right. That that story got completely glossed over and everything else that was going on uh, this week. And that's tragic. And we're in that age yet, right? Where so many horrors and controversies and chaos Day by day, it's just hard to keep track, and there is outrage fatigue. Um, we can't afford to have outrage fatigue, and so we are going to keep you abreast of everything to be outraged over, because it doesn't stop just because, wow, we just spent a lot of time and energy talking about Michael Cohen on Capitol Hill. Right. There's still other shit going on that that you need to be aware of. And, that you and need I need to you to on. care about this more than you care about Michael Cohen. Yeah, that's This fair. matters more. Thousands of children... I, mean, I want you to think about your kid being one of those kids, and I want you to act as though that were true. I mean, it's all what linked, would you it's, do? It's all linked together. What right? would you do? What would you do if that was your kid? What would you do? Right. I want you to do that. Go do that as though it was your fucking kid. Yeah. That's what I need because I'm so tired of this. Like, well, God, it's just too much. No, it's not. Ugh. Fuck Michael Cohen. Fuck President Trump. That's not important in comparison to these thousands of children. Like, it will literally. It is exactly what you said, which is like will be one of the worst stains in our country's history, what we have done. Mm-hmm. And what we are continuing to do. What is being do. done and what is continuing to, to be done. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I think one last thing we can get to because we're exhausted. I am, yeah. Is the whole thing with the security clearances where... Oh, yeah. I mean, essentially, even the even Jared's lawyer is covering his own ass now. Abby Lowell because basically it was like this right remember this we talked about this a lot like Jared Kushner how the hell is he going to get security clearance he's not going to get a security clearance this is crazy and then one day he's like oh he got his clearance and, and then like, it what came the fuck out was that? somebody went and researched it and said well technically the president of the United States is fully authorized to give anyone security clearance he wants it's the same argument as giving top secret information to Russia in the Oval Office, which is that in that moment, technically he declassified that information. Yeah, but, right? that, but that's not the point. That's, but, but right? The but point, the point is he lied. He, but that's 
the reasoning, right? But yes. yeah, but then he was like, no, 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 no. Everyone on TV, no, 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 no. nobody said anything. No, 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 he had nothing to do with it. The the intelligence agencies cleared him. Yeah, cleared him, cleared him. And no, that is not true. Nope. Trump stepped in and said, give him the fucking clearance. Mm-hmm. I don't care how compromised he is. Yep. And Which he is absolutely legally allowed to do. And he could have just said that. And people would have been mad for a day and and moved on. But, but why do you lie about but it? But now it's a bigger problem because he lied about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, the biggest problem is that a guy, people, because both Jared and Ivanka, who were compromised by foreign governments for a litany of reasons, many of them financial. Uh, has had top secret had security top clearance s- for two years. Yes. Yeah, and that is a big fucking scandal. And again, it's it's lost in the in the fucking deluge of scandal that we're drowning in. I just want to like take this from a broader perspective because we can get mired down in the president lying and what that means. But if you just back up for a minute and be like, why does it matter from a big picture scale? Like, why are people mad about this? Because it might seem like a piddling thing that doesn't matter. Is that what we're saying is, is if someone is compromised by a foreign government and they're given top secret security clearance, what that means is that they weren't given that clearance because the intelligence community had determined that it was very likely or at least possible that this person, this person being Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, would use top secret security level information that they were had access to. And give it to said foreign governments or conflicting parties, as mm-hmm. we call them in the law, mm-hmm. um, for personal gain and or to prevent personal harm right. in a way that could harm the United States. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. It's not like, oh, he's kind of a weird guy and I don't know. It's like, no, he's using information that no one should have access to who could potentially even and especially likely to give it to a foreign government to harm the United States for their own personal benefit or prevention of harm. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that That is exactly correct. And uh, we'll see what comes out of that. It's throw it into the mix. Yeah. Throw it on the salad of crap that is all just the I mean, burgeoning mountain of scandal. You put Chelsea Manning in prison for seven years with a 25-year sentence mm-hmm. because she exposed things about what was going on right what she was not authorized to correct do we want to talk about her any more than that or not today okay um but you do that right she's a traitor (laughs) but the president gives people access to that information knowing that they're conflicted right at the time that chelsea manning got uh access or edward snowden for that matter right Mm -hmm. got their clearance no one knew that they were conflicted. No. They weren't conflicted yet. And <laughs> they're both pariahs. Yeah. These are people that we know to be conflicted, that the intelligence agencies have said should not have this clearance because we know that this is a very likely possibility. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bigger scandal so, well, than Snowden and Manning. Those hearings are coming. <laughs> if we ever get time for all the fucking hearings we need to do. But like those hearings are coming too, and that is going to be interesting. And man, what a time to be alive! Uh, I'm kind of out of gas. I don't yeah. know about you. I'm, done. <laughs> We're done. I'm tired. <laughs> We're spent, guys. Between you know, we've been going at it for almost three hours. So I think we're. I think that's good enough. Yeah. Sorry we missed the last couple of weeks, or I did. I was traveling a lot. Yeah, we were in New York last weekend. The weekend before that, Rachel was somewhere in D.C. Okay. And. uh 
yeah, we're back. We are uh, back and we got all kinds of stuff. Um, coming up. To, coming up to talk about. We have some guests. Some other guests and whatnot. And again, I've been Travis. Rachel. You know where to find us. Yeah. Find us. Yeah.